0: An American, a Canadian and a Brit walk into a bar. But this isn't a bad joke. This is Ladies of Valhalla. Hello everyone and welcome to Ladies of Valhalla. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host today. I'd like to welcome you all to this member of the Talking Comics podcast family. This month we'll be taking a dive into the 2014 novel Story Killer by Kelly Thompson. But first off, please allow me to introduce my wonderful co-hosts. In alphabetical order, we have the Gretel of Gish, the Mother Goose of Migraine Management, the Wicked Stepmother of Weddings, Ms Bronwyn Kelly Say. Ah, <laughs> <woo. Yay. laughs> and sitting to the other metaphorical side of me is the maid marion of marketing the goldilocks of gardens the princess of puppies it's miss jessica Woo yeah
1: maid marion of course of, of marketing was really the one that just <laughs> that, that just threw me over that the first one i was just like yep yeah, i'm done
0: <laughs> oh i love it so much <sighs> how are we doing today ladies
2: not too shabby. All things considered, gish is now over. So sad, happy that I can actually sleep again. <laughs> I have planted enough plants and yelled at enough kids to get off my lawn. So, you know, we're <laughs> good.
0: Appropriate <laughs> use of gardening.
2: <laughs> I know, I feel good about the fact that we've finally achieved an age where shaking your fist and yelling, You kids, get off my lawn is sort of appropriate. <laughs> It's never actually stopped me before, but now oh. it looks good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, now it's really a thing. Get off my lawn. <laughs> uh, caveat: I actually like children. I just, <laughs> yeah, yes, I really I do. Like I love playing with them. They're lots of I just fun.
1: Really but... like when they're near my plants. <laughs> That's
0: all. my um my one of my favorite Terry Pratchett quotes is when he mentions that the sound of children playing is the most beautiful sound in the world as long as you're not close enough to hear what they're actually saying <laughs> that one stuck with me yep he was such a clever man he was he was worryingly clever and he is much missed in my household um yes. but i'm still working mind. on my reread of all of his discworld novels because i oh still my- haven't managed to read the last book yet oh discworld yeah it's only been several years Anywho, before I take us down that very sad rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. um, we are going to talk about Story Killer. This is a book that Bronwyn brought to the table. I, for one, am very, very glad that she did. I'm just going to read out the blurb of the book and then we will do our usual give you some general impressions, give you our spoiler alert. So, the back of the book says, The monster under the bed is real. In fact, all the monsters are real as well as heroes and everything in between. All fiction is real and lives in a place called story. However, plenty of fiction hangs out in the mortal world, living both innocent and nefarious lives. This might not mean much to the average mortal, unaware of the fictional characters living among them. But for the last Scion, the only mortal that can kill fiction, things are about to become very complicated. Tessa Battle is that mortal. Back in Law, Oregon, after years bouncing around boarding schools in Europe, Tessa has her sights set on hot boyfriends, shoe shopping, and pancake eating. However, being the last Scion is not making any of that easy. Story is long from done with Tessa, no matter how much she would like to deny her destiny. With more than one monster chasing her, and questionable allies like the Snow Queen and Robin Hood, Tessa is going to need all the superpowers she inherited just to stay alive. Maybe it's a good thing that behind her back, stories call Tessa the story killer. Dum-dum-dum. Ha-ha. <laughs> um, so, Bronwyn, can you tell us where you first came across this book and how it was that you sort of brought it to the table? Because I did not know that this existed.
2: Um. I actually sort of stumbled upon it accidentally. Um, I was perusing Twitter, came across a tweet of Kelly Thompson's where she had mentioned her website and I was like, huh, I have never even looked at her website. I should probably do that since I'm a fan of pretty much everything I've encountered of hers. Um, I've liked every one of her comic books. I really enjoy her style. It's just a lot of fun and I, it's, just, it's one of those things that every time I read something of hers, it puts a smile on my face. I end up laughing sometimes to tears. Um, so I'm like, there's nothing about her website that is not going to, make me happy. I need to go check this out. So, I went to her website and it had long form fiction on it as well and you know what a fan of that I am and how much mm-hmm. I read all the time and I was just mm-hmm. like, "Okay, I didn't even know that Kelly Thompson wrote novels. What? How have I missed this? Uh, clearly I need to investigate this further." And then there was an option and like I read digitally more than anything because I like to have a million books with me at all times and my purses are not that big. And if they were my back would be in a lot worse shape. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so normally like, I, and I'm not going to lie. I also have a digital copy of story killer cause I could not help myself. Um, <laughs> but we also have like a big collection of uh, hardcover books and things like that just cause they're really nice presentation wise. And um, there was a really reasonable um, offer for a beautiful presentation of this book in hardback and it came with a bunch of options and there was actually like a a little sketch by um kelly thompson herself in the front and uh it's a limited edition and it just i couldn't even believe the price point on this it was incredible and i was just like okay well (laughs) sold (laughs) immediately that must be mine (laughs) i didn't even read the blurb i was just like i don't care I have liked everything that she has written. I am buying that book. So. I love you. <laughs> it's legit. I, the front, the cover of it looked amazing. I liked the title, Story Killer. I don't care. Bought. <laughs> and so then it showed up, like, a couple of days later, and I was like, oh, so exciting. And I started reading it, and, um, you know, like, I I started reading it. I got a couple of giggles in. I was like, yeah, okay, this is a very different presentation from what i'm normally used to with kelly thompson because it's usually comic books and you know the visual aspect of those is always a great part of it too right you know how mm. how much do you love jeff right uh, <laughs> the land shark in this case jeff.
0: yeah uh. i was going gonna say do that's doo something doo, that we should talk doo, about jeff the shark doo, 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 exactly jeff the jeff shark. Shark. Okay, and that's but, why i don't ever sing yes. the dragon, do, 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 do,
1: do, do. dragon i'm sorry like once i heard when i first read it and i saw like jeff i was like oh i know it like, I yeah, love it. I it.
2: but yeah so i don't know that got to one part in the book and i started like dying Is- I was laughing so hard like I laughed so hard I almost fell out of bed and Steve was just like are you okay (laughs) what is happening I couldn't breathe I had tears rolling off my face I just yeah and like I stayed laughing like that for I don't know at least 20 minutes before I could get control of myself again (laughs) and every time I thought I was going to be okay I started laughing again because I just thought about it again and I (laughs) I couldn't stop and that's when I started messaging you guys like okay you need to get this book. I don't know how you do it. I don't care. You have to get this book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to talk. So that's
0: how. I
1: just had a <laughs> moment, though. I had an epiphany. What? If I cannot pronounce this right. Is it a sh- shit ski? I, I, I'm not even going to pretend like I know how to say it. But maybe that is Jeff the land shark. Maybe <gasps> it's. Just, <laughs> OK, this is my epiphany. As so you were she- talking, she- I was. Yeah. Yes, that's it.
0: That's that's it. Oh it oh, is Jeff Oman Shark. Same still Jeff. Mind blown. Same still Jeff. You know uh, that gif of the man with the crazy person board with all the pins yeah. next to each yes. other. Yes. That is my brain right now. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much.
1: Sorry. I can't, I couldn't hold it in. I was like,
0: wait, wait a second. Okay, well that's going in the book as questions to ask Kelly Thompson. Uh, Thompson. <laughs> I'm literally writing that on a post-it note, right now. It's in my Captain even... Marvel book right now.
3: <sighs> thank you, thank you. We'll be here all day.
1: <laughs>
2: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> um. So, <laughs> general impressions, Jess. Obviously, having just heard from Bronwyn, she likes the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, did, I'm going go to go with Bronwyn I'm going to go
1: with Bromwen on that and say I like the book as well. Um I I really did. I thought it was great. I always have loved like that concept. I watched, you know, I read all like the fables books and I watched all of them. Um, why can't I think of the name of the show right once now I haven't written down yeah once upon a time I'm like I have it written down hold <laughs> on I watched roll once upon a time I was a big fan of Captain Guy Liner okay like yes um, <laughs> you know so as soon as I like saw it and I was like I saw like the content. I was like yep yeah I'm in all right here we go um I was all about it it kind of brought out my like inner 17 year old girl as well you know, like, going back to there, like, so... Yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, I want a dragon named Jeff, and yeah.
0: Oh, so <laughs> much. <laughs> you just want a dragon, okay? Yeah, period. But now I want Steve to be
1: Jeff. No, yeah. no, now I want him to be Jeff. Now he's
0: named <laughs> <to be> Jeff. <laughs> uh, I have a cousin <laughs> called Jeff, but he's not a dragon. Well, but, but could he be helping like, he tried really before? hard?
2: Like maybe, maybe he's just not trying hard enough.
0: He's probably not <laughs> I don't know that he's ever tried to be a dragon. Maybe I should um message him. I and say, should. have you ever tried to be a dragon? Yeah. Um this is already going sideways and we've been in five minutes. I love it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <right> now, sorry. <laughs> um obviously I always check out Goodreads even though um the more I hear from writers about it the more i think it's actually a terrible terrible part of the internet um the goodreads rating is 3.82 out of 5 it's had 287 ratings and 68 reviews um my general impressions one of those 287 ratings was mine and i gave it five stars um I would find it very, very hard to talk about this book without being spoilery. So I'm just going to drop the spoiler alert now. If you have not yet read Story Killer, um, please find yourself a copy of it. You can visit storykiller.com. You can purchase it from the giant evil online corporation that I try not to promote, which is actually where I got it from. And (laughs) um, it seems to be the only way to get it because they actually appear to print copies. Yeah. um like mine literally says in the back printed in great britain by <clears throat> um i'm assuming <laughs> that you can also i just i i it doesn't sit well with me the more i hear about workers having to pee in bottles because they can't take breaks because then they won't get paid It just it sticks in my craw a bit to promote no. them but obviously yeah. i clearly shop with them well i didn't actually buy this someone bought it for me because i kept banging on about how i wanted to read it and apparently the only way to shut me up is to buy me a book uh more of that please um so yeah i i clearly enjoyed it but spoiler alert if you haven't read it find yourself a copy it is definitely available digitally um wherever digital books are sold i don't know if your local library has a copy but hey why not go and find out you might find something you like um just my my monthly plug for using libraries there um (laughs) i just i just like to get them in um now obviously i have a tendency as regular listeners will know to write several questions about the topics that we cover and um we actually we i send the notes out to the other ladies And I actually call this section questions and topics we could cover from my over-the-top notes. Um, What doesn't always happen, but did happen this time, is two and a half pages of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't don't think the girls are overly impressed. I'm actually blaming Jess for the
3: number of questions. No, 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 no. no, no, Let me finish.
0: Let me finish. Jess... Uh, is now a Twitch streamer. Go and find her on Twitch. She is obviously at Jarsica. Yes. But she's also very entertaining, and she has some lovely, lovely people in her chat. And I was sitting there the other evening, reading the book, talking to people in the chat, making notes. And because I was enjoying it so much, I went to bed two and a half hours late and wrote three pages of questions. So
1: clearly,
0: <laughs> and she wasn't finished.
1: Before. And she wasn't. She made more after that. That's why she can believe it on me all she wants. She's a liar. But thank you for the plug. <laughs> I thought it was subtle. Did you like it? It was very it was subtle, but I very much loved it. I very much loved it. I plug this all day on there. I'm like, on my podcast. <laughs> on the podcast that I'm on. I have no true. shame in my game. It's true, I she does. Shameless
2: plugs all day on that thing, okay? Don't even. Shame is a useless emotion. It doesn't help anyone do anything. Nope. 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 That's, that's, that's what we're here
0: for. Um, so... I'm going to start with a really easy question. It's a really obvious question. Um, anyone who's read the book knows that Tessa kind of has a couple of love interests. There's a good guy. There's a bad boy, Robin or Fenris. Jess, who would you pick? Hero or villain? Good boy or bad boy? I would pick both.
3: No, I want
1: to say 17-year-old me, it would totally be Robin, okay? Like, 35-year-old me? Like, I don't know. The Big Bad Wolf <laughs> sounds great. He doesn't need to stay, though, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'd keep the Big, big Bad Wolf around, he'd just be like, hey, bud, how you doing? And then something <laughs> on his do coat. it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... So for a long-term relationship, and seventeen-year-old Jessica, and who did I? And and in all honesty, like when I met Dan, like he was tall, he was skinny, he was in great shape, he had an eyebrow piercing, and a fast car. You know, it, 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 that's kind of that's kind of what I picked. So <laughs> I would have to definitely say Robin. <laughs> I, I, I
0: should I should say there is there is an amazing description of Robin at the start of oh, chapter yeah. fourteen. Mm. Um, (laughs) pushed off the hood to reveal short dark hair a mohawk that was growing out just the right kind of messy and a face that probably made people do whatever it wanted tessa could make out the edges of a dark tattoo crawling up his neck and part of one on his hand creeping out from underneath his jacket sleeve some silver piercings and chipped black nail polish completed the requisite bad boy punk rock anarchy thing that Tessa couldn't even begin to pretend wasn't right up her alley. <laughs> and everyone else's. And every 17-year-old girl <laughs> in the world just went weak at the knees. <laughs> yeah, um, Bronwyn, would you go for the good boy or the bad boy? Well, um so i i have to be
2: honest i'm with jess on the both situation uh, <laughs> and as honest uh if i'm honest and I, I i want to say i want to say robin i do but i have to i have to be honest i i find fenris more interesting mm. <laughs> um his description I, wasn't bad either <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, right? I mean, they're both hot, let's be fair. But, um, no, I, so, and and this is the thing, one of the things I love so much about this world and the world that, that Kelly Thompson has created for for us here is, you know, I mean, we have seen the concept of the fables being real before, and a lot of people have done it and done it well, but one of the things that I like so much about this particular take on it is that, they are aware of the fact that they're fiction in a way that I haven't really seen before in a way that they're almost resentful of some aspects of it. Mm. And I, I think that's a fascinating perspective that I haven't really considered before. And as soon as I started to consider it um, from this story, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes so much sense. How had I never thought about that before? Um, Is this, concept of sort of consent and agency in their lives that they lack because they're controlled a little bit by their fiction, right? And mm. so to me that makes Fenris a little bit more of an interesting character because of all of the things I've read about Robin Hood and all of the things I've read about Fenris because I have actually read a significant amount of fiction for both characters outside of the Storykiller world. There's more there to work with. With Fenris. Like, Robin Hood is always Robin Hood, but Fenris mm. is sometimes a hero and sometimes a villain and sometimes the anti hero and sometimes all of those things all at once. And, you know, and so, like, there's, like, you know, Norse mythology or whatever, Fenris is sort of the big bad wolf. Yes. And of course, Red Riding Hood, the big bad wolf. And But then if you look at fables, the big bad wolf has a very different concept. Yeah. And, you yes. You know, and even just Fenris himself, like, there, I have actually read entire fictional worlds where Fenris is the hero as opposed to the villain you know
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and so like there are it's if we go by the idea that this whole world is created where all of those fictions come together to kind of inform the character or are there multiple versions of Fenris or are they all kind of informing this one Fenris or like because it could be kind of either right um he gets a lot more interesting and
1: his character plays that way for me throughout this book, so. And they do talk yeah. about that. They say he does. He does mention that, like you know. Uh, I think does Robin mention that to her, like, or no? She mentions that. To, he mentions that to what you call it. I know they have a conversation about how long each one of their stories have been, and that where yes. Uh, you know, Robin Hood is such an old tale, like the the tale of the big bad wolf and Fenris has gone way even, you know, like oh, yeah. thousand years mm. before him and has been in, you know, from the beginning of time, you know, pretty yeah. much a story of the yeah, big bad wolf. Yeah, Robin,
0: Robin said and, that to Tessa. He says, you think that it's the big bad wolf from Red Riding Hood, but... He's much, much older He's than you know. way,
2: way older than that. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I love that aspect of what they added in there with that. I
1: thought that was the best thing because if you, she's right, you know, Braman's right. If you do watch some of the, like, if you watch or read some of these other books, they're kind of set to, like, he would be the big bad wolf from Little Red Whiting Hood. You know what I mean? There would be no, no, no deviation from that it would just that that's what you got yeah so i thought that was the one of the best additions to this book is that they could be any of their iterations Mm. you know that they have wiggle room in their their fiction you know and
2: and given the depth of knowledge that that kelly thompson seems to have, have brought to this in terms of like the range of other characters because there's, there's characters in here that I was not that familiar with, or even not familiar with at all, given some of the lists that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, like, she's she clearly either has a very, very broad knowledge of mythology and mythological characters and creatures, or she did a lot of research prior to writing this. Um, so she, it, there is, you know, there, it, it seems like there's a lot cooking behind some of that, you know? So where yes. it may not have all come out in this book, this book felt a very, like it's a complete story, you know, beginning, middle and end. But it definitely feels like there's a lot more coming, right? Like, so, you know, we know that she's already planning a book, too. But I feel like this could be a series for sure. There's enough material here, you know? Oh, I would
1: hope. Please. Well, exactly. Please, I'm begging please you to make it a series. I would read more. every one of these. I will read every single one of these you put out. Like, I will, buy it. <laughs> I will buy it. Tr- I will buy the hardcover. I will buy the paperback. I will buy the digital Please just give me more. of me a pre order. <laughs> <laughs> I am on for it. So yeah.
2: Yeah. I especially like and I know this is another question that Sarah put out there, so I'm jumping the gun. I'm sorry, Sarah. No, 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 but different. As I've you know, I have read more recent things of of Kelly's stuff like so, you know, West Coast Avengers and, and of course all the Hawkeye, oh my god, the Hawkeye stuff. Love it, you know?
3: Mhm.
2: And so you know like sort of inadvertently have seen some of the development of her writing style and it in it's just sort of skyrocketed lately right like it's just mm. it's been such a an incredible kind of journey to be on and such a great curve um I cannot wait for book 2 cuz like if book 1 came out of her so quickly book 2 is
1: yeah
2: going to benefit significantly from all of that all of that work that she's done since right mm. so yeah
0: i just I think that there was there's some sort of... You can kind of see the groundwork in this book for some mm-hmm. of what she's developed in her work in comics. So um, some of the humour. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of references Definitely. in here to, um, to to other comics, like tons of references to superheroes. <laughs> yeah. But there's also little jokes. So um, the point at which I knew this was totally a book I was going to love... <laughs> oh my um, God, it's the um, same point me. for all of us. You know it is. It's the actual me. turning point for all of us, which is when um, they have the realisation that Batman is is real, because every fictional character is real. And one of the characters turns around and says, yes, Batman is real. And to be honest, he's a bit of a dick. <laughs> and one of the other characters in the background... let Aladdin, like, Aladdin! No, he's not! is in the background. And we all had this same moment where we were, like, jumping on cheerleader chat going, seriously, this. Um, yeah, but this, the, this, the, this but right the actually... Here. The bit that got me, th- that just, I keep thinking back to it and laughing. At one point, they go to a weapons shop.
3: <laughs> and, and firstly,
0: mm-hmm. the weapon shop is simply called Blade.
3: Ooh. Yes.
0: And secondly, the person who owns the record shop is called Sammy D. Yeah. And every time yes. I read Sammy D. Prophet, it cracks me up. and it's just such a throwaway gag that just comes up once and that's it never gets referred to again you get like one mention of sammy d when they're in the store and then that's it and i was just like that that is a sign of good writing and that's what we have come to expect now from kelly thompson's work knowing her work on west coast avengers and hawkeye and sabrina the teenage witch um which i just i absolutely love that fact um and just those those little throwaway gags and those little moments um that that you get with her um but if we can kind of stick with robin for a minute i'm quite impressed that neither of you went for went for the unspoken third option there which obviously is nash um Oh, he. You know what though, going, Nash. You want to be friends with Nash.
1: Yeah. You, you don't really. You know, like I Nash is. I want to is, put him in the line of fire, though.
0: Yeah. I kind of. He's, I kind of feel like. Yeah. I kind of feel like there's more. I feel like there's more to Nash than than we know at the moment. Um. I, I want some more of him. He's like he's he's a nice guy. He's, yeah, but um, that's
1: what I nice mean. Guy. He's like nice. Like, yeah, you yeah. want him to like show up. Like he's like the next door neighbor that kind of like never really gets her. You know, like that's. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Like, aw. like. Um, I just yeah. don't
2: want him to go the Xander route, you know? Yeah. Xander was such a dickbag by the end. Language. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm going to put for I told a
1: whole bunch of people in a Discord chat, like, yeah, our chat is... Our... Our podcast our, our is totally family-friendly, we keep but totally bg problem <laughs> <And Brown> breaks <laughs> out
3: of <D>. <laughs> 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 I can't oh, oh, I'm So sorry. <laughs> I, think
1: I love every minute of it.
3: <laughs>
0: oh, what are you like? So yeah, let's stick with um, let's stick with Robin for a moment. Robin <laughs> as a hero. He oh. says it's a fact it's my DNA, it's what I was written to be, the hero, the good guy, the one who does the right thing, whether unpopular or not. But is Robin Hood really a hero or is he an anti-hero? Because like he robs from the rich to give to the poor, but he's still a thief. And I kind of think some of the other characters maybe would be more heroic and that Robin isn't he's not 100% a hero i suppose is what i was thinking because he doesn't always do the right thing there have been iterations of robin within fiction where maybe he hasn't done the right thing um and i don't know is that did either of you think that or is your interpretation of robin Hood 100% heroic yeah, and i think that's the the appeal again we go back to like his
1: description and the whole like you know like punk rock like you know that's the whole like appeal of robin hood is that he is a little bit he is an anarchist he is like you know like kind of f the establishment type deal like you know i want to see him with like a you know running around like with a misfits t-shirt on you know what i, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, <was> like, <laughs> I think that's like part of the thing so and i think that's what they play off of here a lot too in the book when he goes back and forth is that a lot of his his conflict is is that he has that kind of where he is a hero and he says that he's a hero he's not always and I think you know like the way they play off but he does have a hard time with that from time to time on like even with just his choice between Marion and Tessa you know like it's that like you know do I do the right thing or do I say you know you know uh, I'm trying to look for non curse words right now <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm sorry um let me just start that over you can cut that out um (laughs) or does he just say you know forget about you know uh story and their rules and i'm going to you know live in lore forever and love tessa and you know i think that's a lot of this book is him battling you know battling within himself and you know that's a whole thing fight your fiction you know like at the end it says big thing it says fight your fiction you know and that's i think it's just a giant play on on the world we live in period too where everyone wants to make people out to be a good guy or a bad guy but most people aren't just good or bad you know mm-hmm. uh, most people in general are are good and bad oh and a mix of everything in between
3: mm-hmm.
1: and um, that's you know that's the way i look at robin hood as well is he's kind of more like uh, an actual person than 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 a lot of the other fictional characters are because he doesn't just represent good. He's not Prince Charming and he's not valiant on his noble steed, you know, um, and he's not, (laughs) you know, and he's, and he's not, you know, a horrible witch coming to, to kill you, you know, he's that in between a little little bit.
2: I, I actually really agree with that. Uh, I, which is, um, I, I put it a little differently, but I, but I think you actually nailed it. Um, he is a bit more of a real person, and I think because when I come down to it, I think people are less defined as good and bad and more defined as um, sort of willing to take risks and not willing to take risks. you know it's that it's that flex point between yes, this I'm willing to take this risk and no i'm I'm just a little bit too afraid or cautious or or that particular risk isn't worth it to me. You know, it's that risk reward ratio that we all kind of do throughout our lives for each kind of decision, consciously or unconsciously, right?
3: Okay.
2: And, you know, for a lot of things, Robin is very brave and willing to take those risks and do all sorts of things, but when it actually comes to fighting his fiction, there are things that he is not willing to do. He he just sort of goes with the flow, and there because his his fiction does have him as an anarchist. He's so some things are just easy for him to do, right? But when it hmm. it comes to things that are kind of harder for him to do, it that's sort of where you hit his flex point. And so there, he is willing to do some things that are hard, like especially for Tessa, which is lovely. But you get to see him be a real person in in that he struggles with the stuff that doesn't come naturally to him, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you get to see whether or not he is going to be a hero. And I don't know if he has actually defined that yet because he, you know, at at the end... And one of the things I love most about Story Killer is actually the way the story ends because it definitely ends and it still definitely opens us up to another book, but it ends in a not... Traditionally happy ending way,
3: mm.
2: and I just it was so perfect. That ending was so perfect. It was so good. And I mean, I, I know that that's probably not what seventeen-year-old Bronwyn would have thought was a perfect story ending, but <laughs> <laughs> adult Bronwyn thinks that was a yeah. perfect story ending. Like, and I then that epilogue like, too. I was oh like, oh my ow, god! Ow. I, was like, I know. <laughs> I just, oh my lord! I just loved that. It was the end of this book was just worth the whole trip. It was spectacular. Um and all the, oh, the monster we'll get into that but just ah that was brilliant anyway um, but <laughs> I just thought that yeah for me Robin necessarily, hasn't necessarily established himself as a hero specifically yet and I think that's still coming whether or not he will because he did kind of succumb to the summons to go back to story yes when fighting for Tessa would have been the heroic choice right and so I think part of this whole thing and again, it goes back to the thing that I love most about the, this story and the, is the take on the on story itself, which is it, DNA being encoded like his DNA being encoded with being a hero, quote unquote, actually takes away from his agency So for him to establish himself as a hero, he has to actually do something that fights against his DNA mm. oh,
0: I like it like where you've gone with that one.
3: Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, we've mentioned Robin Hood too many times, and now in my head, I'm singing the song from <laughs> the old movie. Oh, well, then you need so. to get to Men in Tights. So. Oh,
1: God. yeah, I just sing Men in Tights constantly. And <laughs> men, women in tights. I'm sorry. <laughs> nope.
0: No, no. Unfortunately, I've got Robin Hood, Robin Hood riding through the glen, Robin Hood, <laughs> Robin Hood with his merry men. Um, okay. So I've now sung twice. So I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, um
0: This is the episode. I'm not actually sorry. Yeah. I'm just saying that. Um, Excellent. I want to come back to something that you mentioned earlier, Bronwyn, about um how much research kelly thompson must have done for this book and how much you know about certain characters um given how central he is to many of the early storylines and plot points how aware were you of bluebeard and how much of his story did you know before you read story killer
2: um for me it was a name i was familiar with um and as we kind of got through his story a little bit here i i there were elements that I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yes, okay, this is coming back. But honestly, I wasn't that familiar with Bluebeard as a story. So there were definitely elements where, you know, the big reveals in the story were just like, oh, okay. (laughs) I did not (laughs) see that coming. (laughs) Oh, room full of headless people. Awesome. (laughs) Wives. Oh, no, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, Bluebeard. (laughs) Not brushing up on that one. <laughs> 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 oh, scary. Okay, scary stories we tell each other in the dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, it's yeah, delicious. no, I Bluebeard was apparently one I did not know that well. <laughs>
1: That's a what lot about of you did, you, did you know yeah. about bluebird okay so again like it's something that like i remember in passing like i was like oh like i got someone to remember but like i think a lot of like you know a lot of older fairy tales are quite grim they're not really like pleasant things you know they're no, like quite, not at all. quite yeah, yeah no not not at all so i'm like oh i like I remember Bluebeard, I'm like blackbeard, bluebeard, you know what I mean? Like I'm going through all cause there's multiple beards also in Fairy Tale Land. <gasps> there's a bunch true. of beards. So yeah, and I had to like You know, try to like think of that, Um, and then like once they got to that part, I was like, "Oh, now I know I remember this because it's (laughs) nightmare fuel. Because it's nightmare fuel, and that's why you try to block it out of your memory." So yeah, there were a couple that did that to me. I know that's more another. You have this as another one of your questions, but there were a couple things like in the book where I was just like it, like jot. You know what I mean? It came into my. I was like, "Oh, like even snow," like Um. I was like. Which snow queen are they talking about? Because there's yeah. multiple of those too. You know what I mean? Are really you talking about the Disney iteration? But again, I think it's kind no. of. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But at first, you don't. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, like, okay. Exactly. Like, that could totally be Elsa with a big thing of hair and very light and, and with a. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it, it's not impossible. So, I mean, as you go on, you realize that she's the one that Laura's little boy is away um <laughs> again terrifying <laughs> again once again terrifying okay yeah. so but yeah you know I was like oh, Snow, Snow Queen I'm like are they talking about like Elsa and then I realized oh no oh no, oh, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see I, I I love I love fairy tales I love collecting different versions of fairy tales but especially the ones that are not the disneyfied ones shall we say the ones where the little children do get baked in the oven (laughs) or um or the snow queen does steal the children um or the glass goes in the eyes and the little boy can't see his friend anymore um and i love i absolutely love all those really creepy terrifying fairy tales because that's what they originally were they were scary stories to tell in the dark so that children would be good you know that's that's where the bogeyman comes from.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If you, you you told children scary stories so that they would do what that you told them to do, um, and I absolutely loved that. And when they started talking about bluebeard, I was like, oh, dead, dead wives. And when um, when it says about Micah sliding the keys under the door, I was like, yes, genius. I love it because it feeds back to that compulsion that each of the characters has to live their story. Um, and it goes back to that kind of idea. Um, and I know you, you said that I came back to this with another question later. I'm actually going to sort of skip to that with the snow queen, um, and talking about the snow Queen's story. And she has the apartment with all the statues that all Mm. look like beauty frozen in time. Mm. Um, and, also, the fact that she starts calling Brand, she calls <laughs> him My Dove, yeah, early on in the book, but then she goes back to calling the Minions and calling them Heckle and Jekyll, and then she kind of does this. She has the cold indifference to him, and then she brings it back around at the end of the book, and she's like, she's his basically his prom date, and it's like. You're taking like a supermodel to prom here. <laughs> yeah, um, lucky kid. Eh? A <laughs> like, yeah, you know, well good done, there, for him. lad. Good <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> good for him. But it sort of comes back to this idea that okay, we know that we know that Snow is the Snow Queen with capital letters, and we know that she is effectively a baddie. Is she lining Brand up to be one of her statues? Because, like, I mean. That's proper creepy. There's. I just kind of have this whole sort of. She's a several thousand year old story, and he's like a 17 year old kid. Well, I had that with all of them, to be honest. Like, if you think about it, they're all
1: 17-year-old kids. And these are like, you know, thousand-year-olds. Even like, you know, the big bad wolf. Even Fenris and, and Robin coming in. I'm like, ah, you know, she's 17. Right. <laughs> like, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, there was a little bit of that for me. You know. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe she was. also, I think, like, and part of your question was... Um, like, why do you think it was it was that? Oh, my God. I, I lost track because you skipped around. It's I don't fine, know. It's we are. Just <laughs> answer
0: Whatever question you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, No, with talking about like, I think a lot of that, too, is, again, to go with like, like kind of the theme of the book. It's, you know, her thing is that it's all her appearance. You know hmm. everything. She's always got to be done. She's in a leather cat suit for battle. You know, like <laughs> with her hair perfectly coiffed. White. You know, a, a white wh- white cat uh, yeah suit. a white leather catsuit for battle. So when she when you see her starting to kind of fall uh, a bit for Bran, you know what I mean. She almost like you know like snaps herself out of it and goes back to keeping up her appearance. You know, it's mm-hmm. like almost like a no, 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 no. And then by the end, I think she has kind of given in a little bit more to who she is, and it's more. You know, because she does stuff that kind of, you know, jeopardizes her place in story and, and, you know, goes against her fiction as well.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah, that's actually what I thought, too,
2: was she was sort of potentially trying to fight her fiction just a tiny bit, maybe even trying to be, if not good, then maybe not bad. Uh, But then sort of accidentally slipping into old habits periodically.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, who's
2: little boy? Which was really great. It was a little but at least that's sort of true to who she was yeah yeah no it totally was you know I don't know but um Snow was always an interesting character for me actually because people were sort of blatantly like I don't trust you you're a baddie um but everything she did while kind of like she was being honest about you know I'm not I don't give it I don't care about you guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm Correct. just doing this uh, cuz I've been told I need to or whatever, you know. She helped every step of the way. <laughs> yep. You know, she was one of the people she yep. that they could actually count on every single time. So, you know, she really did kind of come through every every point that they needed her to. So, um yeah, she was interesting to me. It, it seemed like she might actually be on the side of trying to fight her fiction so i'm I'm intrigued about um again what this kind of touches on a question that we'll be going into more depth later but um i'm intrigued to see where she falls on the side uh, of the coming war
0: mm. well let's let's talk about the war yeah. now um while, while it's come up because the war um one thing i will just throw in about the snow queen is that um yes she is thousands of years old and she's one of the oldest stories and um you know she's she's been around for as long as people can remember, but also when she gets told that she has to, um, that she has to be the one that's going to go back. The council tell her that she's going back to to sort of help the last scion. She throws a proper strop about it. <laughs> that is that is a teenager being sent to their room, <laughs> and I just found that hilarious. That even when you know they've been around for all this song, that she can still get worked up about something like that because later on when Bran says something to her about, can you die? And she's like, oh, only for a few decades. And it's like, you just, you're complaining about like four days with these people. <laughs> and you've lived for thousands of years. What? But yeah, that just made me laugh. Anywho, so the council refers to the war. And it kind of crops up occasionally throughout the book. And there's sort of this underlying good fiction versus bad fiction or people who want to be able to live in law and also in story and we don't really get to hear a lot about it did you think that that was thompson pitching for a sequel which spoiler alert we know she'd like to write because she's emailed us about it um (laughs) and if if that is her (laughs) pitching for a sequel what would you like to see? What, what, what would you like to see that war as? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. Yay. <laughs> that was the first
2: one um, for everything. For me, what I would like to see is more of that internalized conflict of stories who want to fight their fiction. You know, that's yeah. such an interesting perspective to take on this concept. So, you know, as I've said, I just, it makes me wonder how they feel about the people who create them. You know, they live immortal to some degree, so they could potentially interact with their authors. I mean, some of them, the more current ones especially, right? So, are they grateful for their existence? Are they angry for the limited scope of their fiction? Is it different depending on the caliber of their creator? Is that something that's coming into play? I don't know. But that, to me, is an interesting kind of thought on this. Like, as a writer who's writing fiction about fiction that is real <laughs> where
1: does that fall where does that yeah where does that put you where, where does,
2: <laughs> so
1: questions i have questions <laughs> wheels within wheels we're getting really really meta here today guys. maybe a little meta yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe i dial it back i'm sorry <laughs> no no, no. Uh, but, but the whole book is meta it, the whole book is meta it really is <laughs> there is an entire conversation where the monster talks about his creation yeah. and how all he wants to do is die and how he's promised death in the book like in his fiction he is promised death but he can't have death because he doesn't achieve the death in his fiction and the fiction was created so he has to be created and i was just reading that going whoa yeah that's some like
1: yeah that is existential level (laughs) crisis going on
0: there i
2: mean that Um, is true to form though because the monster is always the most existential angsty of all of the monster stories like mm. that's He's amazing but for that
0: because he is he is the representation of existential angst he yes. is oh yeah he is dr frankenstein trying to create something better and not realizing that by creating something better maybe you're actually making it worse
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, and i very much enjoyed even when he was clearly doing his bad guy soliloquy i love the fact that there were bad guy soliloquies in here and they were identified mm-hmm. um, but even when he was doing that and he was talking about how he wanted his father to see what was happening. It was still bringing in this concept of, right, well, you've only been around for a couple of hundred years at this point, And you didn't know that the last scion was coming at this point because everybody else, all the council have said, oh, we thought you were just a myth. We didn't know a girl was going to come along um, because all of the other a scions have been Boy, isn't it? I know it's, it's a girl. I do really like that
1: um, voice.
0: That's I read I, it in my head too. i like,
1: a girl. <laughs> so much. <laughs> a
0: girl. That is basically me trying very hard not to quote Black Adder at this uh-huh. point. Um, anybody who knows Black the second is probably aware of the episode that I'm quoting. Um, I'm gonna try not to do it, but like the voice just keeps happening anyway. So yeah i just i found it very interesting that there are all these conversations about fighting their fiction and then we get these references to the war and it's like well we don't really know who's on which side and we know that there are people playing the long game um and we know that lines are being drawn even though we can't see where those lines are but is the war about closing the border which obviously is is what the last scion can do or is it about something completely different and i kind of want it to be about something completely different although as i'm saying this my
3: yeah
0: yeah my brain is being very existential and it's like right well if the last scion is the only one that can close the border why don't they just put her in a cell and let her die of old age and then no one can close the border
2: Mm. yeah but then some people want the border closed right
1: yeah so well that's what he goes on you know her their, her conversation with the big bad wolf when they're i forgot where they were you know and he's you know it's it, it's about you know the same thing that we fight you know many wars are fought in the real world over religion and god and what people believe in and it's the same for them um, I'm with you guys. I really want to know who's on either side, though. Like, I want to live, yeah. like, the names. Like, where <laughs> do you stand? Okay, because now in, in this universe, which, again, I'm going to reiterate that I love, like, anything that's been written is real. Um, I know you have a question about the witches, but when she says... Oh, my God, Harry Potter, when they're like, how many witches could there be? <laughs> and like, it's like, yeah, and all of the witches from Harry Potter. Like, I literally like was crying. I was like, I crying. know. So oh like, I want to know, like, now, like, is there is there internal struggles in Harry Potter land between like, you know, good witches and bad witches? That wants to see that, you know, yeah, what like Voldemort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my God, Voldemort, exactly. <laughs> like in, you know, and I mean, even that goes into, I mean, the whole kind of thing behind that was they were, you know, uh, oppressing Muggleborns and you know wanted to get rid of like the human race and wanted to, you know, what I mean. Like it's it's kind of interesting if you really mm. if you really go too deep. And this is where my mind went while I was reading this, which is why like I feel like I took forever to read this because I did this. Mm -hmm. because i sat there and was like oh oh wait a second definitely this book took me forever to read compared to others yeah and it's not that long of a book it's just like all of a sudden you're there really thinking about like life's biggest questions and you're reading like a you know (laughs) you're reading a book about robin hood (laughs) and you
3: know know.
2: and like like, some of the language is so you know i'm 17 year old girl because that's who (laughs) is actually narrating the book so completely appropriate and I'm having these like totally existential it's moments just, like, oh, my God, okay. what is even real? And are, the wizards
1: fighting? <laughs> are, ooh, are my Overwatch characters really fighting? Like, you know, like
3: what's happening?
0: I yeah. think actually on that subject, I think one thing that Thompson did that was very, very clever was um, to have I think it was I think it was Romeo that said it to say, oh, it takes a couple of hundred years to sort of get used to the fact that you're a fiction and that you live in story and the newer stories don't come through to law very much. And I was like, Oh, that's genius. Yeah. Because then if she gets to write the sequels, that's why those characters that are probably under license and she wouldn't be able to use, wouldn't be be in in there. Mm -hmm. Which I just thought was so, so clever. Um, but if we, if we kind of stick with the witches for a minute, um, (laughs) snow runs off this list which i kind of want to run through and just pick some of them out yes um, please so well let's see scion there's lafay barba yaga nimu harkness Karaba, nessa rose bavmorda enchantress galadriel black forest Maximov, kiki the Mayfairs, lynn maleficent mombi willow amy yubaba blackwood the three sisters cassandra endor sendo dalma tyranny zatara tracy 13 nico circe medea the white witch nutter picala the queen psychorax all the damn Potters. <laughs> and I was just reading this and I was
3: like, oh, that
0: and Willow are both real. And she mentions Wanda Maximov, exactly. and she mentions Zatara and she mentions Galadriel, not to mention the fact that Nimue and Morgan the Faye are in there. Who right. I, yes. I just, my brain explodes whenever King Arthur gets mentioned. That frigging list got me yes. so hard. Mm-hmm. Absolute genius because what it makes me want to do is now look up every, every single, single one, one yeah. of these witches that are mentioned and it's so many different genres that it touches too
1: right like yes oh that list got me like that got me uh yeah, no, even when Morgana comes up in the very beginning yeah. as part of the council, I'm like, Yes, like that council. <laughs> I was like, really? Like Aladdin and Morgana? Like what is happening? Like what King Like what what is he just sounded like a total um turd Well, nugget. I mean, he always like, sounds like yeah. a douche can- yeah. Yeah. Let's be he, honest. He was like, even more of a turd nugget. I was just like, oh, you turd. Well, you're a turd. Like, I, <laughs> that's my non-curse word of the day, is going to be turd. Everyone's a turd. <laughs> but, I
0: love it. I love it. Well, I, I found Midas quite interesting, because he's obviously the leader of the council, which, I'd like to point out, does have more male members than female members, which mm-hmm. is just silly. Um... And he is obviously relishing the fact that he is in charge. He's doing the whole making everyone keep the hoods up, using the commanding voice. In my head, Midas sounds like Brian Blessed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gordon's alive. Because that, to me, that's the voice that he's doing in my head because he's trying to make himself sound like um, he's bigger. With his bigger. Arms.
3: Well again. Yeah, with the that's answers. true to character, yeah.
0: right? Yeah. You know, he's he's just that kind of idiot yep. that wants people that- to be impressed by him. On and... his way
2: onto the council.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. Um and then you've kind of you've got the other figures who were there. So you've got Aladdin who kind of seems like he's <laughs> not taking it all that seriously and um is is nice about Batman? I um, just. I, that, I'm sorry. That moment breaks me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't. And He's behind. He's like, and as Aladdin is standing really behind cool. him, going, "No, he he's awesome. awesome. Yeah, he's actually really <laughs> awesome." <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, pissing Uh, my pants. I I just really... The second time I read through it, too, I sent you guys... That was when I sent you the text. The second time I I was like, yeah. I'm like, I can't. Every time. Every single time. (laughs) Oh,
2: God.
0: Tears. Literal tears. (laughs) I legit Um, almost fell out of bed. (laughs) I like the fact that the frog prince is on there as well. Yeah. I know. He stood and sat and gestured like a man, but he was simply a frog <laughs> okay them. yeah i'll take that yep. um and then obviously you've got the snow queen on there you've got morgan le fay on there um and there are kind of references a little bit later that sort of make mention of the fact that maybe snow had a more powerful role on the council than she does now um and that maybe that's got something to do with the war sort of but we don't really know um but it it is it just goes to show the depth of research that kelly thompson must have done like if she has all this information if she has all those witches just in her head then i am in awe and i will do a um we're not worthy style bowing thing if i ever get to meet her. Um, (laughs) yeah because that's just immense one thing that did kind of throw me a little bit though um, with that first meeting with the council, Tessa gets really angry when Midas mentions her mother. Because obviously Tessa has got mummy issues because she was abandoned by her mother and we don't really know what happened oh, to her until we get to... She she has parental <laughs> issues. She has, yes. Um, but Morgana steps in and she says, he has no mother, he does not understand the impact of his words. And I was like, mm, but how would she know that? Because she's also a fiction, so she also doesn't have... <laughs> um knowledge of being or having a mother not being mother having a mother um and in my little brain i was like "Ooh, maybe that's a clue to like where the scions yeah. li- lineage came from but then they kind of put the kibosh on that later by saying that you know there was this male story who fathered a child with a mortal but i thought like, oh maybe that's just maybe that's just smoke and mirrors and disinformation am i clutching at straws here oh no that's no.
2: definitely a clue like a hundred percent that's yeah. a clue especially given the epilogue portion right like yes, yes, yes both yes. her yes. parents yes. are completely involved in story to some degree or another like they just i don't know which one is the story because i don't believe anything anybody says
1: anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's kind of where you are at the end of the book though you're just like i don't believe anything i don't believe any of you you're all liars yeah.
2: I'm with Tessa and that's it. And you're all jerks. <laughs> <laughs> you all
1: suck.
2: Except Micah and Brand. They're okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Mike
0: yeah, yeah. They're okay. Right. And Jeff. We always love Jeff. Jeff, yeah, Jeff can suck. And Jeff. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about Micah and Brand. When they first get introduced, it's kind of they're almost like almost like the light relief. Um, and they talk- it sort of talks about how they're almost like siblings um and that she sort of dismisses them as being childish and silly, and she keeps talking about their innocence and how sweet they are, but actually they really step up
3: mm-hmm.
0: in the story mm-hmm. even even from sort of quite early on when they won't back down and they they go through the weird portal with her, I'm going to be honest if 17 year old me saw someone fighting a troll nope. then got kidnapped <laughs> and knocked out in a house full of headless dead bodies and then saw a man get his head cut off i probably would not have followed the girl i'd only just met through the weird portal to a magic land i to yeah, be no, honest
2: see, yeah Bit i completely whip. would have
0: no. That? Okay, so you yeah. asked us
2: a question earlier, and I couldn't find an answer for it. Like, what's the stupidest thing you did as a teenager? And <laughs> this because, like, I was like, you know, struggling with mental health issues, lots of OCD, lots, of, you know, and I did get a lot of help, and I'm much, you know, much grateful for that and everything like that. Mm. But I was the stubbornest, most obnoxious teenager, and I say that with full apologies to my parents because they had to deal with me. And I absolutely would have jumped through that. Like, I completely would
1: have done that. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm saying no, but then even, like, my answer that I wrote down... Was, like, I put myself in stupid situations that I thought would be fun and in the end I was really unhappy about. that. I, like, I would do stupid things and then get there and be like, nope, no, nah, I shouldn't, you know, nope, I really don't want to be here. Like, <laughs> this was, you know, I knew instantly from getting there. Like, I'd lie and say, like, I was sleeping over my friend's house to go, you know, I don't know, big, like, raves were really popular when I was like around 16 like that was like a big thing everyone went to raves and I don't know and so I like lie and I got to when I was like yeah I don't want to be here like this is awful and i like <laughs> I actually believe it or not I was so like unhappy there that I actually left I went to like a gas station down the block and I called my mom and was like listen I lied I don't want to be here please come pick me up <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they actually picked me up and I did that's awesome <laughs> But, bless your parents yes yeah, so uh, there you go stupid things you do when you're a kid there you go <laughs> you jump through the portal that's what you do yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know I, that I would. Have done
0: it. Yeah. but I love the fact that Mike and Bran do um, and that they that they do step up and they keep stepping up and they keep um, you know just, just putting themselves out and, and literally at some points putting themselves in harm's way to help my favorite part
2: of the mica brand thing especially at the beginning was when they actually tell tessa off for trying to cut them out (laughs) yeah when you know when they come up to her and they 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 shut her down they're just like we know what you're doing you're doing this to protect us we've already been involved there's nothing you can do at this stage we've already had this and this and this happen to us and now you're just being an idiot by trying to shut us out so it's your choice you get to do what you get to do, but you're just being a coward. And yes. I was just like, you know, that is the thing that I have wanted every sidekick or, you know, female love interest or love interest of any kind of in comic books to a hero. I have wanted them to say forever. Always. Oh, my God. Always, you know, it's like, oh, we can't possibly be together because it'll be put you in harm's way. It's like, wow. come on, I'm always in, Everybody in the city's in harm's way because you're here. Everybody, like, I'm safer with you than without. Like, <laughs> do the math, okay? Come on, get an insurance adjuster. <laughs> Run the numbers. Yeah, no,
1: I do. I, <laughs> I love those characters. I I love their characters in general. I have a question to ask you, ladies, though. Have you guys watched the movie Dogma?
3: Yeah, like Kevin Smith. Yeah,
1: so a lot of this book really reminds me of Dogma. There's okay. a lot of yeah. There's a lot of and I just kept on like thinking of them as like almost like the Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? They were like almost comedic relief. They came in, but they like, even in Dogma, like he kills like the, the, the shits. what do they call it? Like it's or a big, the, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the big poop demon, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they kind of do helpful things. A lot of this movie reminds me of that with the, la- uh, a just the the wording of the last Scion period is that both, both the move that movie and this book use that, which is a common term, you know? Um, but, yeah, but I kept on reading the book thinking, like, let's see Kevin Smith's adaptation of this in film. Like, that's what I Oh, my like. God. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Yeah, just remind me of it. And I just kept on thinking of Jay and Silent Bob, like, the whole time, like, reading the book. Because they were definitely, right? They were the prophets. They were the two prophets. They, yep. they, Although, I, I yeah. have
2: to I have to say that Micah and Brand are a little bit m- more. Oh, they definitely get the more intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they strike me as a touch more
1: helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were they were a tad more helpful. You know, more what I deliberate mean, but in their helpfulness. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's yeah. In that in the movie, they were a little bit less. They were helpful though. That yeah. was the funny part is that they were helpful. You know, but um, yeah. Anyway, I
0: digress. <laughs> just, just in the most <laughs> delightful way. <laughs> but but digressions are absolutely fine because that has just like taken us down a, a whole other alley that I. <laughs> Haven't even considered, and nope. now I am, and now I want to see the Kevin Smith adaptation <laughs> you of the
3: oh, book. I, was, I
1: think yep. he would do something like that too. You know, I don't think this is out of his realm. Okay, Kevin Smith, let's get, let's talk. Kevin Smith, if you're, if, you're, if you're listening, if you if you're listening, Kevin Smith.
0: Please. Get your people Me. to talk to our people. Can you yes. get
1: your, your people to talk? Not even our people, our people. It's us. We don't have people. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you and Kelly You ladies, my yeah.
1: <laughs> ladies are my people. Ladies are getting people together.
3: You know?
0: <laughs> also, I should point out, anyone who hasn't seen Dogma, 100% should see Dogma. It's one of my favorite movies, as long yeah. as you are over the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah um throwing that caveat down don't want to get told off by any angry parents i do adore that movie so much though Mm um kind of talking about different media that we were reminded of by this book um obviously you've got the scions and then you've got the advocates did the advocates remind you of any other mentors from any other popular fiction <laughs> Charles from <and> Buffy <coughs> yeah. um sorry I prince <clears throat throat throat> in my throat there um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so obviously we mentioned um I think we mentioned Buffy earlier did we mention Buffy earlier yeah anyway we should have mentioned Buffy earlier if we <laughs> haven't because you know teenagers having to save the world um, did the <laughs> advocates kind of remind you of the Giles type character, or one hundred percent? Oh
3: yeah. yeah, oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The minute I. Maybe i think maybe it's an american thing as well because we don't really have like guidance counselors or we didn't when i was a teenager who knows what happens in schools these days (laughs) Um, we we didn't have like a guidance counselor you had um you had like the careers officer but that was basically another teacher who had to do career support like one hour a week and kind of resented that fact because it took away from their free time um yeah but it, it wasn't really something that that we had particularly um are they a big thing in America? Is it? Is that a big thing? Would would there always be oh, people, yeah. like this
1: random man oh, yeah. hanging oh, around? Yeah. like could multiple. We didn't even just have guidance counselors. You had like. Therapy counselors, you had truancy officers, you had, um, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, no, we had a counselor for everything, and I saw every one of them. Um, <laughs> so, like, yeah, Legend. so going through like high school, I had some issues that I had started off high school with, and they immediately. Um, from like middle school had put me in with a guidance counselor and I always had to see the guidance counselor. Um, for those of you who don't know, my mother was very sick as when I was a kid and they just don't let you just go to school. like the school knows that. And they make you like, even if I didn't want to see the guidance counselor, it didn't matter. I mandatory anyone who had a parent that was ill in the hospital, you had to see the guidance counselor. Um, so I had always saw a guidance counselor when I got into high school, I met multiple guidance counselors and I met like group, then they had group counselors. So they had a guidance counselor and then I had a group counselor. His name was Mr. Dodd actually. And Mr. Dodd, if you ever hear this, you were the most lovely human being and you got me through most of high school. And he really was. And I'm so thankful that he was there. He was the coolest man, the nicest man. He didn't, he wasn't, you know what it was? Like some of the other ones were very forceful with their information. And he was like, Mm -hmm listen like you know you'll figure it out when you're an adult like that's kind of <laughs> the way he was. he was like don't listen to me now and there are so many times where i can hear him in the back of my brain like darn it like this guy would... <laughs> um yeah to be, then, to be fair, that is the you, best advice ever yeah you know what i mean he wasn't really forceful he would be like listen like you can come to group you're i get you out of a period once a week like come to group, like you know, you That's don't want to awesome. talk right. Just sit there, you're still out of class. Like you're not enjoying class. Pick the class you don't like, like you know. because like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there were multiple groups that ran, so he was like very easy going, and but it it made it easier to talk to him as well. So yeah, no, in America we have like counselors on top of therapists on type of. You- on top of, like, psychiatrists, on top of group counselors. And then, like, if you miss a lot of school, then you get a truancy officer who, you know, he could actually bring you to school and charge your parents and do all sorts of stuff like that. But you also had to sit down with him and talk about why you were missing school. You know, it was there was a lot of it. There was, like, a ton (sighs) of goodness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Guidance counselors, but not like that. Oh yeah, our school was totally uh, prepared for all hell to break loose at all points in time. I think is what really was the problem.
0: <laughs> that probably explains my confusion about there being random adults around that could just teach you how to, you know, save the world. It's like where, where are these people coming
1: from? Honestly, yeah, where, no, no. Where, you and know why aren't we, the
0: parents concerned?
1: Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's why because there are just a million adults like you know this is where the money in schools are let me don't even get me started on this i'm not i'm not even gonna start on that this is where the money in schools are going to or they're going to like seventeen thousand guidance counselors guidance counselors do not get paid enough though i have a couple friends they do not get paid anything what they're worth so yes but yes american schools have depending on where you are my school had an abundance of them your school's are also huge it was huge it was huge you know what I mean I think my graduating class was like almost 2,000 people or something like 1,500 people 2,000 people that was my graduating class which is more than twice what my entire high school had (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) there were but there's smaller schools around here I just happened to go to one of the largest districts on the island
0: having driven past Jess's school I can attest to the fact that it is huge oh we did show you the school that's right it is it is very large terrifyingly large (laughs) amazing but i think i think any kind of book where you're going to have a teenager who's going to be saving the world and having a random adult from their school who's going to help them do that is going to draw comparisons with people our age and buffy because Mm -hmm. i think for a lot of us buffy was quite a major a major piece of media that we you know grew up invested in i kind of fell off buffy um I'll be honest because I can't even remember why, but it's one of those shows that if you mention it, people our age will automatically know what you're talking about. Yeah. So maybe that's why I kind of got the Giles reference or maybe Kelly Thompson is just the same age as us and also grew up watching. Buffy yeah. in the
1: same <laughs> I didn't even maybe. watch it that hardcore, but I still knew your reference. Like, you know, like I watched it like occasionally and like, I remember the premise. And I remember the movie and I was still like, yeah, yeah, it's totally Giles. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched no the movie no research
2: needed religiously I watched the show religiously I watched all the spin-offs <laughs> I even read the
0: comic briefly <laughs> bit of a fan then bit of a fan bit of a fan okay we'll go with that I'll just sit here like yeah I've watched it I don't remember art. I liked Willow <laughs> um, <laughs> that's,
3: that's basically just all I've got
0: I'm sorry you couldn't <laughs> even break me I can't handle this thing <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to do an amazing segue now. <laughs> I'm going to go from talking about Willow in Buffy to the fact that Romeo is gay. Yes. I like it. Okay. I'm pleased with myself for that one. That is amazing. You said as well. Now, the actual question that I wrote was making Romeo gay, genius move or cliche. And then I felt kind of bad for having written that because the way that Romeo was written in the book is not at all cliched. First off, I want to drop in the fact that he is named Grayson, which is quite clearly a mm-hmm. Batman reference, of okay. which I highly approve. Yeah, exactly. um, but he gives us a very interesting counterpoint to Robin. I'm gonna pull in one of the other questions here. I know I'm jumping around all over the place. Um but Robin Hood has made Marion and Romeo has Juliet. And one of the things that we briefly skirted around earlier when we're talking about fighting your fiction is the fact that they they have always got this link to this person. And Romeo slash Grayson talks about this with this link that he has to Juliet and the fact that he knows that he's told to love her. But does that mean that he actually loves her? He has feelings for her. And, you know, for the first few hundred years, they were together and he loved her. But now actually he's realized that she's not what he wants and that there is more to the world. And that actually, he quite likes a guy who I believe goes by the utterly romantic name of Ian. Um, And... Mm. I kind of after I wrote the question, I sort of felt bad about it because it's actually it was, I sort of started thinking, well, actually, that that kind of brings this whole new aspect to Juliet and Marion, who are characters that we never actually see on the page, but they get referred to a lot and they're in the background a lot. And they are they are actually fairly major players, even though they're not characters that we actually experience at all. And by making Romeo gay, it adds a new aspect to the relationship between Tessa and rob him because he's obviously trying to fight his fiction because he has the feelings for tessa but he's also got the tie to marion um and i personally found that a very very interesting part of the story in that grayson is hiding out in law as grayson sorry romeo is hiding out in law as grayson so that he can actually be the person that he feels he is and not the person that he is literally told he has to be Um, can someone else talk about this so I'll stop waffling sure
1: Sure, because I, I I think, again, with what I was talking about before with Robin Hood's character, where that is kind of in his lore, it's the same thing with Romeo. That's the same kind of the whole time he's told, you know, in the Romeo and Juliet. It's a, you know, a tale that even, you know, I don't know, if you don't know who Romeo and Juliet are at this point, I you're living under a rock. I don't know where you're from. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, you know, the whole story. He is told that he is not to love Juliet and he is not to do this and he is not to do this and he is fighting against what he is told to do you know what i mean what's Mm. being written out for him by some authority figure so i thought it was actually quite brilliant that she used romeo as well who's kind Mm. of almost in the same you know what i mean in the same boat as robin who is fighting against authority he is also fighting against authority and i thought it was interesting that it's both to you know women that they are written to love you know I I just thought the whole thing was actually quite brilliant and I put them together right away I was like oh you slide dog Kelly Thompson you (laughs) this
2: is brilliant so yeah (laughs) I agree as well I thought for me it highlighted um, it highlighted that issue of consent that I touched on earlier as well like Mm -hmm. you know how um, these characters are created um, you know in their author's mind however and then committed to the page or, um, you know, screen or however they are, they are put out into the world. And then that is their set of criteria. You know, that's Mm -hmm. how they're defined. And it, it isn't always with care for who they are going to end up being, right? Because they don't have any say in that. And it's only through fighting their fiction that they get to kind of define themselves because they are very literally defined by someone else Mm. without any consent whatsoever, informed or otherwise. Um, So living outside of story and living outside of their own fiction is kind of the only way they get to have any say in who they are and in how they choose to live their lives. And so for Romeo... The one thing that I thought was, and again, it sort of like touches on what, what Jess was saying, It just from a slightly different perspective. Romeo is a, traditionally a very tragic story, a very tragic character. And for me, this added an extra layer of that tragedy is for this character to be written into this story and loving Juliet and having it play out over and over and over again and have them you know, have this story where that ultimately ends so poorly, you know, Mm, over and over and over again for hundreds of years. Mm. And for all of that time, for him to actually be gay. Yeah. Is the like ultimate tragic twist to that. You know, Mm. and so for him to be able to kind of have an opportunity to pull out of that and say, no, this is who I am. I'm not Romeo, I'm Grayson. Mm. I want to express this. I want to have some authenticity to me, and I want to have some say in who that is, and express that. Like that, that is sort of truly heroic and fighting your fiction. You know, like for me, that's you know, grace and having a hero moment. So,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: So talking about um, consent and informed consent mm. and the existen- existence actually of consent i keep coming back to marion and juliet and the fact that they never actually get to speak for themselves they have no agency in this book and they don't get to give their consent as to how these men from their stories are portraying them so robin kind of gives us this whole oh marion will never let me go she you know this sort of idea that She's incredibly possessive and she wants to stick to the story and she won't fight the fiction. But we never get to hear what Marion actually thinks. Um, And Grayson is hiding out in law because he doesn't want to go back. Partly, he says, because of the families and the families won't let him won't let him be who he wants to be. But also because Juliet will keep him there. And I find those two characters incredibly interesting, even though... They technically don't exist in this book. Did either of you sort of get that as well, or am I just reading far too much into some minor side characters who get mentioned occasionally?
2: No, I thought it was interesting. I thought that I found them very powerful. Like that, it, they're exerting a, quite a lot of power for not existing in the actual story. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like, is, is are they? Is that an excuse, or are they truly that? significant right like it I, I mean not to dismiss them in any way shape or form but if they are and, and maybe it is maybe it's the fiction maybe it's them specifically maybe who knows right I, mm. but like after so many hundreds of years how if you've established yourself as a as a new person or as a you know you have a new life somewhere else or whatever you'd think you'd at least have come to some sort of detente with the person you share your fiction with.
3: Hmm.
2: You know, had some sort of adult conversation with them.
1: So, so if I if I can, like, jump in real quick. I yeah. think, oh. though, when... Okay, so let's go back to the war. Okay, and maybe that's part of the war, though. Mm. Is people that can, you know, uh, talk about their fiction and others who refuse. You know, maybe... Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, that's he talks... They do talk about. He does talk about Marion feeling similarly to him, and you know, um, I know we're going to talk about uh, Red, little Red Riding Hood down there, just being a little weirdo, um, you know, <laughs> um, just being a little weirdo coming in, you know. Love it. There are maybe, you know what I mean, maybe that is part of their war, though, you know, even with religion. You know, that's a big thing with, you know, where the big bad wolf goes on about, you know, how we fight about religion. That's a big thing here, too, is like people won't talk about their religion, which then brings in more problems. They just avoid the subject. Maybe it's not that Juliet is controlling it. uh, Maybe it's that she refuses to even talk about it. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. That's really. Yes, I think you're right.
0: And yeah, I want to see War Book
3: Two. Where's my war?
0: (laughs) Let's let's talk about Red actually because she is she is sort of the only part of one of these classic couples that we do actually get to see, and we get to see a little bit of the dynamic between her and the big bad wolf. Now, little Red Riding Hood, in many 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 portrayals, is the innocent little girl who's taking her lunch to her grandma and then gets attacked by the big bad wolf that's not the red that we get here no the red that we get here is um she's sultry and she is knowing and she knows exactly what power she's got over the big bad wolf and she knows exactly what she's doing when she lets him get almost close enough. And then it even so, she dances out of the way. And she can see the effect that she's having on him. Mm-hmm. Which is very, very different to the way that Marion and Juliet are talked about. Obviously, yeah. they're not portrayed. Um, but the way that that relationship kind of plays out. All this time, Femris has been... You know, he's been the rebel. He's been the bad boy. He shows up when he wants, and he doesn't knock on the door. And all of those cliches are there. And then, as soon as Red appears, that's it. He yep. literally makes them stop the car, and he gets out, and he turns can't control puppy. himself. <laughs>
1: he turns like, into yeah. a little puppy dog, pretty much, and he yeah, runs, runs for her, her and like heels, yeah. yeah.
0: And I found that very interesting because. It, she's not portrayed the way i expected her to be firstly um but also everything that we've learned about fenris up to that point suddenly then gets turned on its head
3: Mm-hmm.
0: and i sort of thought I, you know I, I sat back and i was like well is he actually the rebel is he mhm how he portrays himself because let's not forget he is a fiction and he has spent thousands of years being a fiction and he knows all about the difference between how you're portrayed and how you actually are
3: Mm -hmm.
0: so is everything about Fenris a lie are you are you coming to agree with me there Bronwyn or do you have a different take on it um,
2: I, okay, so I think that uh, it's more complicated than that. Like, I I think with Fenris, it always is. I don't think that um, everything is alive with him, but I think a lot of it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think he never, ever, ever plays all his cards. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, that he's definitely playing a long game and that he has not told anybody everything. I think the closest he's probably ever come to telling anybody everything is probably red. And that's why she holds the leash.
3: Yeah. But I would,
2: I would be a hundred percent say that he has slipped the leash a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, but yeah, no, I mean, if you were asking me to assess that power dynamic, it would be, I, it would be tough because, you know, he's, he's definitely crafty, but I would probably say that the, the, you know if you it would be maybe a 65 35 or split maybe 60 40 but it would definitely be on red side. Mm. What about well, you
1: Jess? What do you reckon to that one? Well, well I think this goes into the other question um that you had. Let me try to even find this in my notes cuz we're we've just gone off course. We've <laughs> all, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, One hundred percent off uh, pace. Oh, okay. You ask if you know. You quote that Tessa had felt like an outcast for as long as she could remember. She has embraced it at some point, learned to use it to her advantage. Because once you already feel like you can't fit in, then it's can't fit in. It feels it feels better if you try to own it. If you try to pretend it's your decision it's you know so i think this applies there as well a lot of the big he's the big bad wolf you know like he is going to come in and even if you know obviously Fred's holding some kind of leash on him like he like smelled her and was like please take me back i'll come back to Storyland as soon as you want me to do you want me back now i'll leave right now (laughs) like that's what it might as well you know what i mean he legit said that he legit like, like i will come back right now like please take me back like i i love you just don't don't leave me here you know And maybe that's his whole persona because he is so, you know, almost addicted to her and, or addicted to his fiction to her, you know? I don't know. Maybe it goes along with the whole, you know, maybe that's his emo team life coach, by the way, it's the emo team life coach.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that, that was why I quoted that bit was about um, embracing your weirdness um and i actually put is this good advice or is it the emo teen life coach but that is kind of what it seems like femoris is doing um because he does he does openly say to red i left fiction because you didn't want me there and if you say that i'll come back i'll come back and it puts another spin on the entire long game that he's playing yeah because, let's be honest, he's not particularly trustworthy. <clears throat> um, you know, he kind of, at the end of the book, seems to be getting on okay with the monster. They're having a bit of a chat. A good time. Um, just, you know, chilling out. Shooting the breeze like you do when someone's trying to kill the last scion. Um, no, Robin, he's okay. He's helped us the whole time. <laughs> sorry, like, I just... No, actually you said that, about that I, though i do let's, I have let's, deep let's about that. actually talk about that let's yeah, talk no. about i don't think she that, ever really um, trusted
1: him trust him but i
0: just i'm sorry i can't poor robin <laughs> tessa does keep letting fenris back in and robin says to her and says to her and says to her over and over again you can't trust him you shouldn't let him in and she's like oh well who says i trust him she even tells snow she doesn't trust her but she keeps letting them back in Why? Why does she do that? Well, uh, okay, I have a couple of thoughts on that.
2: Mm. One, she doesn't have a lot of options here. True. She has a very limited force with which to work, and she needs pretty much all of it to get everything done. So I think it's smart to be using all the tools she has in her toolbox. And in fact, I think her constantly telling Snow that she doesn't trust her is actually shooting herself in the foot. Because Snow legit had her back for most of the story for her own reasons a lot of the time, sure. But I don't – and this is the thing that, with trust from my perspective. I think you have to respect the fact that you can trust people to be true to themselves. So it's on you to understand what that means and trust them to be true to what their motivations are. Right? You don't have to trust them to be true to you. You have to trust them to be true to themselves. So, once you understand what their motivations are, you know exactly how to predict their behavior. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Now, understanding their motivations can be very difficult for layered people like Fenris especially, but even Snow. Mm. But constantly telling Snow, especially immediately after she's done something actually great for you, that you don't trust her is a great way to get a very powerful person super pissed at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's definitely a 17-year-old girl thing to do, 100%. But not your smartest move.
3: <laughs> no, I And will, the fact I that she does it to one. Snow
2: and not to Fenris is definitely also a 17-year-old girl thing because Fenris is super hot and she's hot.
0: So,
3: <laughs> mm. Mm. I
2: totally understand that whole dynamic. But Fenris, while he isn't always there, he does come and go and blah, blah, blah. He is being A, true to himself, and B, has actually been there to pull out the big guns when she has needed him. So yeah, he definitely kind of displayed the fact that he has different motivations from what she had thought when they have that confrontation with the monster. But I still think that he's being true to himself and that she... Just needs to kind of understand what that is. Because I still think that that is part of the deeper game. Right? Yes. So. Book two. I, yeah, well, <laughs> I am completely 100% convinced that before this story is truly finished, Tessa will be thoroughly betrayed by someone she trusts and thoroughly saved by someone she doesn't and or shouldn't. Because, like, Robin, going back to story. Yeah. That's a betrayal. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm leaving you for my story. Sorry, I can't actually fight it. Ha
1: ha. I'm kind of weak. <laughs> I'm gonna leave right now. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about your luck. Yeah, I was a little like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs>
3: ha <Ha-ha>.
2: ha. <Ha-ha. laughs> like Fenris never ever said you can trust me. You know, he never yeah. said anything like that. He never made her any promises. Robin did. Robin makes a
0: lot of promises. Too many promises. You know.
2: So, yeah, yeah I mean, mouth disorder. there's mm. always said, you know, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. You know, That's
0: <laughs> like true. if we're, we're going to talk actually. about who's
2: the better guy and who's the more honest person, like, I'm sorry, but
0: Fender's is actually winning at this point. <laughs> yeah. He's he's never shy about who he is. And and he trusted Tessa. The thing <laughs> that I wrote
2: down for this one, just to sort of sum my thoughts, is that Um. You know, Tessa is very honest with everybody about who she trusts and who she doesn't, but honesty without tact or compassion is cruelty.
3: Ooh, that's a good Ooh. one.
1: Yeah.
2: So, <laughs> keep that in mind, folks. Honesty is good. Compassion is better. Yeah. Listen Listen to Bronwyn. Mm.
0: She's smart. <laughs> I've got nothing to follow that up with. I've got absolutely nothing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no. we're just going to move on now. <laughs> where where do i even go from there you don't Uh, i'm gonna mention that there's a starbucks reference it's not a question i just love the fact that there was a starbucks reference in the book and it makes reference to the fact that on every corner there is a starbucks that's it (laughs) i'm following up Bronwyn's deep life lessons with coffee yes um so if we go back to tessa for a little bit and her overbearing existential angst that she keeps having because she's a teenager um and at one point she says every story she'd ever read and the millions she hadn't millions she would never even get to were all real unless she destroyed them first of course so jess if you could remove one story from existence to kill one story which one are you going to pick Twilight,
3: such Um, pressure! Whoa! No hesitation. Uh,
1: uh, Actually, no. I wrote Twilight, and then that as a joke. Um, I I wouldn't kill Twilight. Some of it can stay. Some of it can definitely go. Um, I don't think I would, though, because I think. You know, I think all stories are here for a reason. And even the bad ones that we don't all exactly like, you know, even if I don't like something, you may like it. And if you may not like it, I may like it. So even though I don't want to see another sparkly vampire, um, you know, (laughs) there may be a little girl that really loves a sparkly vampire. So who am I to kill that story for
2: her? I mean, you know, they sparkle.
1: How bad could it be? I mean, we're going to have sparkly Batman now. So, like, look at, look at where we get out of this, you know? <laughs> oh, he must
2: have been a terrible vampire if it took him this long to turn into a bat. I'm just saying. Well, I know. Right? Oh. <laughs> what were you doing all that time?
0: I'm
1: legit excited to see him as Batman. I think this is going to be hysterical.
3: Oh, Honestly,
0: we, folks?
1: I don't want to get off topic, but I really don't know if he's going to be that bad of a Batman. No, Apparently, he's been doing really great work. I'm excited,
0: I yeah. think. He might like, actually pump up the the franchise. I have literally never seen him in anything ever. So, hey, I'm all good with him being a Batman. He was Cedric. You Cedric. he? Was was he? Yep. I probably slept through that bit. Uh, um, go on then, Bronwyn. Pick me a story to kill. Or are you going to be nice like Jess and say you weren't going to kill one? And then I'm just going to comment at the end and be like, I
3: saw I'm going to this one.
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I did actually struggle with this question cuz i was just like oh no if i kill this person then all of these other people won't have a story and they'll be homeless and oh no but um <laughs> <laughs> like the the struggle is real okay um 100% <laughs> uh but no i i i was like probably a murdery
0: one you know <laughs> like the guy a murdery one or something <laughs> That's that's amazing. Oh, a murdery a one. Murdery one. Yeah. If you have murdery
1: stuff in your work of fiction, um Bronwyn would like it to die now, thanks.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: I mean, I just feel like if you're gonna have to kill a story, a murdery one is a good way to go.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm hundred percent agreeing. And in actual fact, the story that I have got written down as my choice of who <laughs> to kill is an incredibly murdery story. Oh. I'm just saying um, Because I wrote down that I would kill Patrick Bateman from American Psycho.
3: There we go. Then
0: you're really fixing the fiction. I have got a lot of deep seated rage about American Psycho. I have got a degree in English and one of the tutors that I had gave us a seminar on American Psycho and called it... The greatest American novel of its time. And I had to read American Psycho and I watched the movie and I went back to that tutor and I said, this is the worst piece of misogynistic, chauvinistic, commercialistic poop that I have ever had the misfortune to read. It's badly written, there's not enough punctuation, it's got some horrific horrific writing in it not even not even talking about the murdering and the raping and the drug taking and the mindless violence the writing itself is just terrible yeah Um, and and he basically told me i had to say nice things about it or he'd fail me for his class and i'm like okay well i'll say nice things about it then but they're all lies (laughs) um and if i could save just one other undergraduate from going through the pain that I had to go through of reading that entire book and just going but it hurts to read it then I would quite happily do that and I'm sorry to all those other people in his fiction that would then become homeless and would be lost, but it would mean that the dog would be okay, and the homeless man would be okay, and all of the ladies would be okay. So yep. actually, it's kind of sorry, not sorry. Yep. Um, I think that's fair. So, yeah, fun fact, listeners, if you've never read American Psycho, <laughs> just don't bother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my public service announcement for the month. I um like it equally fun fact anyone who has seen the movie there is a particular scene um with a chainsaw and mm. a flight mm. of stairs i was taken to see that movie at the cinema on a date oh god and at that point in the movie my date leant over to me and said i'm feeling peckish fancy a mcdonald's later oh for the l- okay well i hope there wasn't a date too there was not a date to in fact there wasn't even an end of date one Why? Um, because he'd bought us the tickets that are at the front row so we were like i was looking right up and that scene was like you know meters away from my face and the whole combination of all of those things sort of the movie ended i went i'm just gonna go to the loo left yeah uh, <laughs> yeah that's a implied. random aside but just another reason to get rid of patrick bateman because then that memory would no longer be in my head <laughs> um you know just just trying to just trying to make the world a better place yeah, one no. terrible dating story at a time <laughs> um on the subject of dating stories we had a listener question in it's it's a, a terrible segue this one but i'm going to bring it in anyway um we had an email from samuel pratt so thank you very much samuel for getting in touch um and he sent us a question for kelly thompson he said robin and tessa's first kiss felt like you had been wanting to write it your entire life was it reworded or revised at all before the final version or did you know how perfect it would be written on the first try now can i just say that is an amazingly written question like the actual question itself is poetic so kudos for that one um we actually pinged that question over to kelly thompson and she very kindly sent back the following response she said story killer the entire novel actually came pouring out of me really quickly. I wrote it in something like seven or eight weeks. And so a lot of what you see is pretty pure from the first draft, but the whole novel obviously got edits and tweaks. So I'm sure that did too, even though I can't remember specifically how much was changed or not changed. I will say that I was very anxious about writing all the sexy, kissing, emotional stuff, as I was much more comfortable with action and violence so, I definitely had to try harder in those scenes. I've had a lot more practice since then with some fairly sexy comics like Rogue and Gambit, which has definitely helped me to up my sexy game. Hopefully, by the time I finish book two, it will be even hotter. Ooh. Now, love that answer. Thank you very, very much, Kelly Thompson, for sending it to us. But seriously, just that last line. Hopefully, by the time I finish two, it will be even hotter. <coughs> oh, that means book two is a work in progress. Can't wait. She didn't say start. I'm she ready. Said book two. Finish. But is the Kickstarter up yet? Like, where is it? I take my money. <laughs> take my money. <laughs> um, take well, all my we money. Are now in, we are now in conversation with Kelly Thompson about um, possibly having a conversation with us in the future. Um, so keep your fingers crossed for that one. But I thought that was a really that was a really good question, actually because obviously editing is a process that doesn't really get talked about a lot um and one of my personal bugbears with the harry potter books is the fact that um you can tell the point at which less editing was done because Mm -hmm. the books double in length and have completely pointless house of Uh storylines let's talk about a broom for 37 pages (laughs)
1: No, i love those nobody books. cares I, I will never um, not love those books but like yeah. you know i mean they go on about his fireball for like quite some time yeah. and they don't even talk they're like what's a fire people that would just watch the
0: movie they're like what's his fireball like, oh my god oh no don't even yeah. but yeah i i really like the fact that um that kelly Thompson's quite uh, you know she's honest about the fact that the whole novel got edited because that is a thing that happens if you write something it has to be edited I've tried writing things before, then I've gone back and read them and gone, this is shockingly bad. But that's why you edit. Um, And it was quite interesting that she said she was anxious about writing all the sexy, kissing, emotional stuff. Because I personally think that all of that is written really, really well. Um, Quite a lot of it does sound like it's a 17-year-old girl saying it. Mm-hmm. because it's supposed to Yes. because let's be honest when you fall in love when you're 17 it is the most amazing thing ever and it does make your heart skip a beat every time you see the object of your affections and nobody has well, ever felt like it before <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. let's get, make um, out right
0: now
2: yeah oh exactly in the worst possible <laughs> timing you know like it yes. just doesn't even matter <laughs>
1: i actually really yes. like that scene i'm like yep yeah, that's what i would do in the end of you know, my life, I would
0: just go for the belt. Like, that's, absolutely, that's, that's where I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> but th- there are, there are a lot of moments where they kind of, there's one point when Robin first appears, when Micah actually says, woof. I know. Um, I laughed. So pleased <laughs> oh. with that. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm not sure if that is a Blackadder reference or not. Um, but if it's not a reference to Lord Flashheart, it should be yeah. because woof. <laughs> um, and and a lot of it does sound appropriate to who's saying it or who's doing it. And even, you know, when there's there's the moments that could be cliched when Fenris reaches over and kind of brushes the hair out of her face to look at the scar. And seventeen year old me is actually going, Squee! I know at that point. And I'm gonna be honest, thirty-six year old me kinda likes that too, because <laughs> I yeah. am still emotionally a 17-year-old girl. Listen,
1: I'm totally, like I'm I said, older me, Jamin.
0: older me, totally Fenris, totally. Like,
1: yes, come into my house in the middle of the night and, you know, be weird. Like, great, sounds good, <laughs> as long as you leave. Like, you know. Like. Poor Dan. I love my husband. He's wonderful. He understands. I talked to him openly about this. I already said to him that I am totally in love with the Big Bad Wolf. We had this conversation yesterday, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> I do I want love it. To that sad. Like,
2: but just so sad. I, I, oh, I should have made you do a dreamcast with your husband. The, movie. That's the
0: best. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't do that. I can't believe I didn't make you dreamcast the movie. That uh, you're going to get Kevin Smith to make.
1: I have, things, I have things in my brain. I could... I, I, I had, you know, visions. This was one of those books, though, that I heavily felt I was able to, like... I without seeing a picture, could probably go draw my own fan fiction for. You know what I mean? Like, because I felt like there was a lot of detail within the characters and the way she described them. And like, yeah. you know, and it's funny because she does talk about that a little bit as well, where she's, you know, like, 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 where, who is she telling Snow about Fen- that Fenry? Like, oh, so tall, dark and handsome. So every male in every story, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's really descriptive. But, Kelly, you know, she did, Kelly Thompson did do a great job of describing them and making them different looking. You know, like you said, that description of Robin, who was my 17-year-old emo little girl, little goth child's dream, you know? (laughs) It really actually (laughs) highlighted for me how frequently that doesn't happen in fiction.
2: Yeah, And, you know, like, for me, especially like Tessa's description, I got a really great visual idea of what she looks like, where a lot of the time, um, especially for fiction um and i shouldn't say f- especially for for young adult fiction because it's not true it it happens for a lot of even adult fiction you don't necessarily get a super detailed description of what somebody looks like and i and i think consciously or unconsciously that's um designed so that the reader can put themselves in that role right mm. but I, I i don't know i don't i didn't have any trouble sort of empathizing or feeling myself in that role even though I don't look anything like Tessa, you know, like, and, and I don't feel like I struggle with that where are, there are other books where I don't look anything like the main character. So I feel like being able to picture that main character was actually really helpful for me. Like, I really felt like I got to know her better because I could really see her in my head. Hmm. You know, I had a really good idea of what Micah looked like. I had a really good idea of what Brand looked like. I had a, an excellent... Mm-hmm. Each one of the characters was really fully fleshed out for me because I knew what they looked like. And so in my head, I could really visualize them. And while I'm sure that my picture is different from your picture, Jess, and from your picture, Sarah, but Mm. they will have common elements because they were so thoroughly described. And I don't, I don't know if that's because of this sort of creates some of the stuff that I've read of Kelly Thompson's comic work. I don't know if that's just the way she naturally writes or if that's something that she's gotten because she works in the, uh, like a collaborative visual medium. I don't know, but i find it really adds a lot to me to my reading experience to have that level of descriptive kind of information about those characters i really liked it
0: yeah definitely i mean i i see the characters in a very specific way in my head um and they do look very very different in my head but at the same time that's in my head yeah and that's what's so good about it i mean like (laughs) Robin, this, this is because I've watched too much of the TV show Arrow ah! in my head. No, yes. no,
1: no. Don't. No. Please go. It's like Stephen Amell. Oh. I, no, I'm not even going to lie tattoos. to you. That was like, like one of my first choices. Okay. And maybe because he is playing Arrow, you know what yeah. I mean? Like maybe it is why our brains went there. But like I could totally see him with mohawk and like, being you know, all like mm-hmm. lovely walking up to
0: a door. Yeah, Yeah. and that's that's just who because of the whole robin hood he can shoot a bow thing but also with the muscles and the idea of him with the tattoos and the messy growing out my hook, i can totally see that Mm -hmm. um but then when i was first reading fenris i kind of had i think it's because she mentions about him having this sort of british accent at first i had a kind of jason statham thing going on in my head But then the more I read of him, I really wish I could remember the actor's name. I think he's called Ricky Whittle, the guy that played Shadow in American Gods. Yes, that's who I ended up with in my head for Fenris. Yes, oh, yeah. and I mean I'm not saying there's anything going on in my head, but those are two pretty good-looking guys, mm-hmm. you know. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one character that we haven't talked about yet, who um, I had a very very clear picture of in my head is tal or talia yeah um and talia is revealed part way through the book to be sleeping beauty and she is absolutely the most kick-ass sleeping beauty i can think of she is not a disney princess she is amazing she's a bounty hunter and she just wipes out half of the people coming at them in the final battle but in my head she looks like ruby rose yeah and i just i don't know where that came from but in my head every time she got mentioned that's who i pictured in my head in this like leather outfit with the weird the weird metal things on the ends of the hands that creeps me out a little bit i love Um, that yeah. That I love that edition. And they it were like, once they said the metal,
1: I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, you're clever, like really. And this is, we, I want to just bounce back. I'm sorry, I'm like all over the place today. I just want to bounce back to where we were talking before about okay. like watching her work, watching Kelly Thompson's work and writing evolve. Like mm-hmm. it's that you see this in her comic books now. This is that kind of witty cleverness that she brought to things like Hawkeye and and West Coast Avengers. It's just like wittiness that's just there. It's like this underlying like and it's it's comedic, it's witty and it's just it's very smart. All of her writing is always so smart. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and you can see it come from this book and it's great.
0: No, well, sorry. Mm. rant over. No, 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 no. that's, that's <laughs> that, is, that is true, and also at the same time, I mentioned earlier, we get lots of references to superheroes and things. As soon as they said about the weird clicky nails, I was like, "Ooh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman." Yeah. Um, and so, just, I kind of what I put about this was was the different representations of classic fairy tales and fairy tales that we all grow up with because let's be honest we've all grown up with disney princesses and princesses looking a certain way and it's not until we started getting some slightly different disney princesses like Even brave and frozen
3: mm-hmm.
0: that they're still classic pretty princesses but they're a little bit different whereas what kelly thompson's done here is she's taken the classic pretty Princess, because Talia is described as being beautiful, and there's clearly a little something, something going on there with Robin. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. there was some. Um, I no, don't know what happened there, but you know, book two, something did. Yeah, yeah some so- Something please. happened. Something happened, mm-hmm. and now it's awkward. Um, <laughs> yeah, very awkward. Awkward for
1: everybody. Everybody's awkward.
0: <laughs> um, but she isn't. Like you think of Sleeping Beauty, and you think of a beauty who is sleeping yeah losing the name but this talia is anything but she is awesome she just like wades into battle she takes no poop from anyone at any point um and i just found it really interesting that so many of the other stories talk about fighting their fiction or try to fight their fiction um and then sleeping beauty is just like i'm going to be a bounty hunter yeah, I know. I love her.
2: I think one of the best things I love about her, though, is that she's. We do have that awkwardness with Robin. That her prince, which do either of you ever remember the name of her prince? Does he have a name? Oh, uh, Equally, no, right? No, do he any a name. of them have a name, or are they all? Charming. Are they them? all
1: charming? No. Oh, hold on. I'm gonna Google this now because I.
2: This uh, is how little they matter. In the story, yeah. right? They're just a cipher. And
0: he
1: doesn't
2: seem oh, to exist anymore. Phillip.
0: According to this, it's Prince Yeah, Yes, Prince yes, Philip. That's it, that's
1: it, that's it. I'm like, no, he has a name. I know he has poor Prince Philip. Well, this is it, right? But I mean, he's
2: so freaking boring. Who cares, right? <laughs> so clearly she doesn't, since There's she no only no has this chemistry with, with Robin, you know? <laughs> but I think my favorite part, and it's so funny because I'm not usually the one who goes for the angsty, broody characters. That's not kind of my bag. I'm Unikitty. Right. So, mm. um, but I love that we're getting present, presented with this princess. Who's very emo. Like she's just like, yeah. you know, yeah, she is. she's done. She is done with all of it. She's I'm bounty hunting. I don't, I'm done with all of you.
3: <laughs> you know, <laughs>
2: she's got no, nothing left. She's got no ducks left to give. <laughs> she is duckless. She this is, is completely duckless. So, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's got a raw deal. She's had a raw deal up to and including the whole saved by a prince routine, especially because he was patently boring <laughs> and does not appear to be in the picture.
0: Um, yeah, he does not get mentioned.
2: No, not even a little. Nope. You know, nope. so I'm down for this princess. I'm down for angsty, emo, princess, bounty hunter.
0: I Also I, stunningly beautiful.
2: Well, yes. And <laughs> I, I kind of, my picture of her, I love... I love Ruby Rose as an idea for this. Like, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that would be amazing. Um, but I had kind of pictured Vanessa Kirby just because I'd see her in the Hobbs and Shaw trailers and she's kicking all sorts of butt.
0: So that'd be kind of amazing, too. I don't know who Vanessa Kirby is. Let me Google her. Who is she? What has she been in that I've seen? I'm well, just going to go ask see Hobbs and Shaw now, aren't I?
2: Well, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to oh, be in any well. way. Oh, <laughs> that might be fun. Is all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a good excuse to go and stare at mm, Idris Elba. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was going to go Jason Statham, but um, or maybe yeah. The Rock or any of them. Mm. It's kind of hard not to stare at The Rock, to be fair. I he takes know. up a large amount of screen. It's true. And I don't know. I don't really find him to be, like, that, like,
1: a... Tra- I'm not, like, big into, like, the muscle muscle thing. But there, it's just his whole personality that you're just, like... That's oh. exactly it. He's... Like, he- I... Yes like he's charming he's charismatic he's sweet you you, you think that take he would him home to meet you yeah mom. exactly like you want to take him home to meet your mom like mom look at him you know like, <laughs> I don't think, I like have. you know i don't think he's an ugly man by any means but like you know what i mean i don't no. you know i don't think he's uh, traditionally handsome you know how about that that's like a, a stereotypical handsome i well, think he's got no prince from... philip yeah he's not <laughs> prince philip <laughs> Poor I feel
2: bad. Oh, well, I mean, thank goodness. Uh, but oh, no, if I'm being fair, Prince I'm going to be staring it. at Idris Elba. Yes. I want to see him in anything. Is yeah. in a- <laughs> Literally, you put him in anything and
0: I will probably watch it. I will watch it. <laughs> I will watch it. <laughs> okay, well, while you two just uh, take a moment, I'm going to drag <laughs> this back. Um, let's talk about prom... Huh? i know they don't i know they don't call it prom but it is clearly prom and i yes. love the fact that they make a big thing about it and that Mike and brand are all excited even though they're fighting fictional characters and they've seen a troll get hit with a baseball bat and they've gained technically magical powers they are still super excited about prom my favorite thing about it's not called prom it's called the mask literally my favorite thing about all of this is that tessa goes into a shop and she tries all these dresses on and she's having this conversation with micah like you do she's like oh can you get me this one can you get me a different size she puts one on and she's like it's got pockets i'm buying it yes Do we just I, have this I, conversation I, about pockets i feel like we have- I, we've probably had the conversation about pockets before because and i'm sorry i am gonna slightly go off on one here clothing and most of the world is not designed for women right? That sounds ridiculous when you talk about women's clothing, but women's clothing is not designed to be practical for women to wear. If it was, then when we buy jeans, you could fit stuff in the pockets. I have a pair of jeans. I can't even fit a mobile phone in the pocket because clothes for women are designed for form over function. I have if a pair I of find pants a dress... that have pockets that go backwards.
2: Like they yeah, go like, up, they not doing? down.
1: What are they when when they were designing these pants? Like, who's in there? Like, yeah, let's let's put their pockets backwards so that they have it's to sit mat. on everything they, yeah, like, legitimately, they is... are triangular shaped. They
2: only
0: go about an inch deep, but they go up, not down. What the hell? It, yeah, it it is it is form over function, and I will put my hands up and say if I try a dress on and it even vaguely fits, but it has decent pockets on it, I'm gonna buy it. Yup. Like that's a selling feature I'm, yeah i'm with you i am i am so done with the world and the way that it just doesn't think did you know mobile phones are designed for the size of men's hands and not women's hands there's a reason i have of a ring on the back of my are. phone yeah pop yeah. socket i live I, my life I, with a pop socket i work with a guy who has amusingly small hands we call him diddy digits um, and it's a standing That's joke in the life. office that. My <laughs> <laughs> right, it's a standing joke in the office that my hand is like twice the size of his, and everyone's like, "Wow, you've got freakish big man hands." And I'm like, "No, no, I'm five foot ten, and everything about me is big. They are in proportion, and look, even I can only just hold a mobile phone and do everything on the screen I want to be able to do without using a pop socket because they're designed for men, and it's not like I could put it in my pocket anyway, because there's nothing in my pockets. Anyway, this is just me going on a complete tangent. But when I read the bit about her buying the dress because it had pockets, I like mentally high-fived Kelly Thompson mm-hmm. because more pockets, useful pockets, anybody out there who's designing clothing, sort it out, okay? Right. Um, I'm just... I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> I well, finished like raging a... about pockets. No, 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 no. I'm going to go on about
1: pockets because yes. even... You know, and we talk about women's clothes, even young girls' clothes are that way. And my niece, who is going to be four next month, anytime she gets anything with pockets, is thrilled that she has pockets. Because little girls' clothing just don't come with pockets, period. At all. My sister was buying
2: clothing for her son, who is 15 months old, and he has better pockets in his clothes than she has in hers.
0: Ooh. Why so now I wanna,
2: does his now I wanna... have pockets that <laughs> you can put things effective. in?
0: <laughs> wow! Well, Why do they a think a three-year-old girl is, pretty, you know?
3: Yeah, no,
1: but forget it. Where is a three-year-old girl carrying a purse? Like you know? Hey, I don't know what she's putting in her pockets, but she's very <laughs> excited when she has them okay and we'll let you know like so that's how you know it's not just us being crazy old ladies like this kid will come in my house and be like do you like my dress it has pockets like and she'll <laughs> tell
0: me that her dress has pockets like you know the number of times i've said that at work if someone's like oh i like your dress it's got pockets that's it that's all that needs to be said and then people just get it um i was about to start raging about the little boy and the rainbow cake in the shop the other night then but i think maybe i probably shouldn't yeah <laughs> maybe i should save some of this rage for another day
1: um that, that, save for hellfire <laughs> for another day
0: <laughs> oh i already raged about it on facebook this morning anyway it, it is a valid point though about there is a reason i'm talking about the pockets It's a valid point about the way in which this is a book about fictional characters existing in reality and zombies being real and the wicked witch of the west probably being real and all of this ludicrous stuff that is completely high fantasy but there are these elements that thompson brings in that just make it real
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and the fact that these two teenage girls get so excited about the fact that a dress has pockets just grounds it in reality in a way that probably shouldn't happen because it shouldn't be realistic because they're buying dresses to go to a masked ball with Robin Hood at which they're expecting to have a fight with Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) But the dress has pockets. And it just... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it totally does. It just makes it realistic. Mm -hmm. For me, at least, anyway, because as we've established, I get overly excited about pockets.
2: No, but it's true. When you establish a world with specific parameters and then you stay within that world within those specific parameters it's the little world details the little life details that really breathe life into the story right that that get you into
0: it that keep you into it because i don't know I'm about so glad you guys. that you just made what i was trying to say make sense <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> well, no, but That's it's true though for. like when i when i'm reading a story when i'm into a fiction my brain wants to keep me in there right like it I'm I'm committed, I'm into it, I'm reading it, I'm enjoying it. And as long as everything stays within the set parameters, I'm finding ways to stay in not trying to find ways to get out and it's easier the more material you have to stay in the story and those beautiful little simple details just keep weaving the story more mm. together, more deeply together
0: and keep mm. you in there a little bit more easily all the way through. Mm i will say though there was one point that did take me out of the book when robin and tessa are in robin's car and they have to escape from the draugr and they climb through the sunroof onto the roof of the car and he like shoots an arrow and they're gonna swing across and (laughs) she has to hold on to him and he says the move is very batman no she's yeah she says that's very batman and then he's like oh i was aiming for skywalker and all I could think in my head was like, well, that wouldn't work because as soon as they jump off the car, they're going to drop and then they'll just be in with all of the, the evil Nordic undead zombies. But see, I thought um, she said it was very
2: Batman and Batman had the like retractable things, you know, like is you start, you know, you shoot the arrow and then it mm. pulls you towards where the arrow is. So that's sort of where I assumed Batman magic.
0: Oh yeah, because he said Skywalker, I was like, oh, it's the bit where they're swinging across, but it wouldn't work. And the fact that we can actually be that nitpicky with this book and have a conversation about the physics of jumping off the roof of a car using an arrow to swing across and escape near certain death is from drug of, or examples. <laughs> yeah, for me that's kind of just a sign of how good the book actually is that we can be that nitpicky about it because there's no, like huge plot points that made me go oh i don't like this book it is genuinely just like that tiny little thing that when i read it went oh but that doesn't work because physics
3: yeah not that my brains go where you've
0: already established a huge amount of magic
2: i i gotta be honest my brain was not even attempting to apply <laughs> physics that was definitely not the point at which i was gonna be like hmm but if the angle x <laughs> applied to the angle y would <laughs> no believe me
0: that was not the point we're talking about (laughs) my brain does not work like a normal person's brain yeah yeah we do know that but yes that's true brain works in mysterious ways
2: (laughs) wonderful mysterious ways (laughs) i'm still sticking with batman magic
0: (laughs) as long as as long as the i'm the only one that disagrees with batman magic then that's absolutely fine (laughs) we can stick with that (laughs) one of the speaking of magic let's talk a little bit about cersei and the way that she doesn't just thompson doesn't just bring fairy tales and popular fiction into books she's also got a bit of greek mythology going on which i absolutely adore because i'm a sucker for greek mythology roman mythology any of that quite happy to read it till the cows come home um there's quite a few references to Cersei's myth Cersei's story so when they go into the restaurant Brand stops Micah from eating anything and then Snow states if we end up pigs I'm going to kill everyone (laughs) um how much of the myth of Cersei did you were you sort of aware of before you read the book it kind of comes back to that you know what, what did you know about the stories within the story before you came to the story oh I'm going in circles now <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah.
2: when <Bronwyn>, help me <laughs> Gladly Oddly enough, this one I knew more about than either of the others because uh, I'd read the Odyssey so I knew about the turning the men into swine when they drank the nectar so mm. I actually was just like ooh, ooh I get this reference <laughs> 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 which made me feel really good <laughs> so that one yeah I actually I uh I was like oh oh I'm in the know
0: I'm actually in the know oh I feel so special <laughs> there is I'm an element of that though isn't there there is an element of that with the book that when yeah certain stories get mentioned you will be like oh, I know that one I got that one <laughs> definitely like on an easter egg in a movie
2: it was, um, it was <laughs> huge inside baseball on this one it was very much you
0: yeah know? oh yeah what, what about you Jess were you were you kind of queued up on your pigs and swine pigs and swine i was because i have recently put
1: myself back through college and that is one thing that they make you read all the time (laughs) in every like like i don't know i feel like every school teach every english teacher i've ever had has made me read that so i was like yeah 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 that's yeah that's going on that's happening (laughs) like i so yeah you know yeah i was with you i was there i knew about it i've read it don't I'm kind of also get that? honestly, I almost have like a grudge against it because I've been it's not even that I think it's bad, but I've been forced to read it so many times at this point and write so many stupid essays on it. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't like you anymore. Uh-huh. Not because it's bad, you know, because it is very good, actually. Um, but yeah, but because I've been forced, it's been forced upon me for so long.
0: You've Fair basically enough. just described every other English student's experience of shakespeare in the uk yeah. i we yeah, it study could. that ad nauseum yeah. yeah it's a yeah. whole thing we read a lot of shakespeare here too <laughs> it's not designed to be read it's designed as a play sorry and yet i'm raging <laughs> again
1: shakespeare isn't real Shh. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the conspiracy theories that is my favorite. I'm sorry. You want to go on tangents? I'm going to go on a tangent now because you said that. I love the theory that Shakespeare wasn't actually a person. Ooh. That he was more than one person or he was actually a woman. So Fascinating. Go look it up on Google. Go Google that. It's no, I, that is a Google so hole. I don't need to go them. down. <laughs>
0: yeah, go, go go Google that. You'll be there for a while. Trust Have me. You got a spare day, folks. Look up the Shakespeare <laughs> conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. That's you'll be there for that. a little while. You'll you'll be um, there for a moment. <laughs> Sorry. Dragging it back to Circe for a moment. Um, she works with the monster because he promises her California and Maine. Ah. Uh, Why? Now, full full disclosure, I have neither been to California nor Maine. I have a fairly decent amount of knowledge of California because I grew up watching American TV shows and I've seen the OC. Um, (laughs) My knowledge of Maine is somewhat limited, I'm going to be honest. I've been to Maine. Um, It's beautiful. (laughs) It's a, you know, I don't know. It's just a very... It, they got
1: a lot of lobsters. That's what they're known for. Oh, uh, there's a lot of whale watching boats there and stuff like that. Like you can do that. It's kind of cold a lot. Um, uh, Only oh, in the winter. <laughs> no, it's like, no, it's cold. It's pretty, you know. It, but you it's never, like it's like your temperature. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. It's it's more like that. But um, actually, that might be okay. more north than you. Is that more north than you? It's more north than where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. By a significant margin. Yeah. It's, um, it's you know, it's pretty there, though. But, yeah, it's really pretty. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be honest. You haven't sold me. <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> I don't have um, to sell you with. Okay. <laughs> you, don't, so, you don't have to sell me. It's maybe, with Jess.
2: It's not cold if, in the summer, I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> Jess, if you were going to sell out and help the monster, which obviously you wouldn't because you'd be the hero in the story, but if you were going to, where would you ask for? Oh, I'd ask for New York and
1: California. That's what I would ask for and they can have everything else.
0: <laughs> the rest of the world could be covered in zombies. Yeah. I'm good.
1: <laughs> as long as you get, get New York. York I'll take New York, California. That's okay. fine. Maybe, you know, what, you know, maybe I'll go for Australia too, but like everything's got to be gone. Like all the weird bugs have to go. Like <laughs> <laughs> they, that's... But the weird bugs are what no. make Australia fun. No, it does not make Australia fun. It makes me why I
0: almost want to visit, but never have.
1: <laughs> okay. Macrofauna
2: is
3: scary. <laughs>
0: Okay, so when I went to Australia, we, um, we went to a place called Fraser Island, which is just a giant sand island. And you stayed in these, like, weird little hut things. And we had a Japanese couple, my friend and I that were out there, we had a Japanese couple in our hut with us. And the girl started absolutely freaking out on the first night. She didn't speak any English. Her boyfriend spoke a tiny amount of English and she was freaking out because there was a lizard in the hut. Oh, um yeah, and the lizards they can stay m- my fr- my friend and I we were like, No, 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 you keep the lizard, we want the lizard in the hut, and it took a very long time for us to explain to them that the lizard was good because it would eat all of the other insects that yeah. might come in, yeah, and then I'm still vaguely guilty to this day because that poor girl did not get a wink of sleep the entire time we were there. <sighs> because of the way that we'd had to do charades to explain all of the other things that could come in that the lizard would eat oh no just you know giant spiders with massive fangs and things (laughs) um so yeah like it's half the fun of going to australia is getting bitten by a spider and then spending the next week with a massively painful bite on your leg and also trying to get spidey powers no, that I'd do something like that because that'd be a stupid thing to do walking around going thwip thwip and flicking your wrists like, who would do that <laughs> anyway Bronwyn where would you ask for
2: well given his end game I'd want to be paid up front FYI um <laughs> good <laughs> you know I'm not saying I'm just saying um but I think I'd want a ton of money, to be honest. You know, like maybe a metric ton of gold or platinum well, or something ridiculous. I know that ridiculous.
1: was a part of the option. Then <laughs> I want all the money and New York and California. Okay? Well, I, you know, I mean, who wants
2: to be in charge of a bunch of people? Nonsense like that. I I don't want that kind of thing. I want to I want to be able to go to a resort,
1: <laughs> and hang out. I do. and not Bow have to down burn. to me, minions.
0: Bow down. <laughs> oh, she wants minions redeemed.
2: Uh, we are so doomed. <laughs> Ask me, because <laughs> you know what we look like, right? <laughs> we look like minions. <laughs> Bow down
1: to me, minions. Bow down.
2: But yeah, I think I'm gonna need like a a a, a lot, a lot of money to something make to make that risk reward ratio tip in favor of working for someone named the monster.
0: <laughs> True. That's a good. But point. it's not his fault that he's called the monster. And yet,
3: you,
2: you know, it's it, it, there's one of those names that you have to live up or down to,
0: and I feel like he did both. Well, let's let's talk a bit more about the monster, um, and about his quote unquote father. Um, mm. so when when, oh, we see, <laughs> when we get to see when we get to see Doctor Frankenstein, he's got a lab coat on. Somebody's badly written the word assistant on his lab coat. I love that Kelly Thompson touch there. That is just one of those little things that she does that makes me adore her work. Um, But the monster is presented, as he is in his actual fiction, as quite a tragic character. Mm. Um, And I could kind of feel myself sympathising with him a little. So much. I'm not not 100% certain I'm supposed to sympathise with him. But then when... You know, when we studied Frankenstein for GCSE, because, again, it's one of those books that you have to read 50,000 times when you study English. Um, I actually did find him to be quite a sympathetic character. And I sort of understood where he was going with Tessa and the you would not just kill me if I asked you to. I've had to upset you until you kill me kind of take on it. Um, And I was just wondering whether you ladies also um, had that kind of level of sympathy for the monster and his desire to have what he was essentially promised in his story, or whether I'm being overly sympathetic to what is essentially the big bad of the book. Um, Jess, talk to me about monsters. Um
1: yeah no I think and I think you always have that for for Frankenstein's monster for those of you who don't know um Frankenstein is not the big monster <laughs> he is <laughs> he, he he is the the scientist that creates Frankenstein's monster I know that confuses people I had a conversation with an adult the other day who told me I was lying Oh no, really? Back. Oh yeah, I guess really. So I'm just gonna clarify that as we're talking. Because we do have younger listeners too, and they may not have seen, you know, Frankenstein is an older um I don't think there's been a remake of it in a while either, too, you know. So we'll we'll put it that way. Um so I think you're always supposed to have some kind of, you know, sympathy for him. It was never, you know, it was never the monster's fault. The mo- the real monster was always, you know, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein, yeah. you know. Um, so it doesn't, I thought, again, it was, again, clever that she kind of made it this, you know, I knew you wouldn't kill me, I want my death that I was promised. And like, that goes back to the whole, like, you know, fight your fiction thing. Like, but he wants to live his fiction so bad and was written in there that he's supposed to get his death and he never does. Mm. So there is this character that's brought his, you know, fiction kind of to the mortal world, just really trying to play out the death that he so desperately was wants and was promised. So yeah, I definitely have a little bit of sympathy for him I mean, should he have been such a, a poophead um, You know uh, With with and everybody else? No, maybe not Maybe he could have just, you know Called her on the phone, but you know um, you <laughs> I know, mean, that I would have been a good place To right. start at least, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, did we have to, you know what I mean? Like, but, uh, you know Yeah, so I do have a little sympathy Not much, but a little Yeah, I feel the same way I,
2: He is actually quite a sympathetic character you you do have to lose some of that sympathy with some of the methods that he uses because of course there's collateral damage and when there's collateral damage and you become somebody who cares more about your end game than the collateral damage you lose some of the moral high ground but mm. his the tragedy inherent in his story is still Incredibly tragic like it it is like that is absolutely true in there, um so yeah, if he had handled things differently, a hundred percent he would he would not be the monster, yeah. regardless of the fact that that is in fact his name <laughs> <laughs> um, which can we, could somebody had just called him Bob or something like you know yeah. living with the moniker the monster your whole life, that sucks. <laughs> that is that is true you know Um, like what is he
0: gonna do live up or down to it right you know Uh, you know yeah that kind of added to my sympathy for him really although i did i did totally get what tessa was saying when she said to him well i can't kill you because it will have such a profound effect on so many other lives because obviously the repercussions of what she was told when she took bluebeard out um
2: yeah and i mean that's for him but that it, that's such amount of pressure to put on tessa right like that and that i was one of the things that i thought was so so beautiful about the end of this story was that there was no way for it to be just good it was yeah. always going to be complicated no matter what way it ended um and there were a couple of ways it could have gone and it didn't matter there was never going to be just this is the good ending. This is the happy ending. This is the way it's supposed to work. Every single one of them was going to have collateral damage and every single one of them was going to have something complicated and emotionally and some uh, fallout and consequence. And I love that. You don't often see that in the fable type stories, right? Because mm-hmm. they always end at the happily ever after and you don't see the consequences. You don't see the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the emotional fallout. You don't see any of that, right? Um, or even any of the real development after you don't see the epilogue, you you don't see the denouement. You only see the climax in favor, yes. especially the Disneyfied versions of them, um, and that's great because you end on the high note, you know, and it's fun. And if that's what you're looking for, like that, they're lovely. I don't get me wrong. I go and see Disney movies; they're beautiful, <laughs> you know. Some days oh, yeah, that's what you want, Disney fan. You know, um, so so you know, no shame in that. That's they're they have their place and they're wonderful. Um, But that wasn't what I was looking for here, and it was not what I got. And what I got was perfect. It was beautiful. I loved that it was complicated. I loved that this monster had this level of sort of sympathy um, and that you could have empathy for him. And you kind of wanted him to get his death. Like, Mm. it was the only possible end, but it was going to have such a moral consequence for Tessa. And... That's not fair. It's not fair for her to have to carry this burden any more than it was fair for him to have to carry it. And so yes, instead of, much so. you know, this wasn't a, oh, he gets the end he deserves. This was a shift of a burden, you know? Mm.
0: While we're talking about the ending, um, and I'm just going to throw a curveball in here because I didn't write this in the questions I sent out and I totally should have done. I just want to talk about um, Detective Wade and her ending. Mm. Because after all of this has happened after Tess has been through everything all these things that she has very much not been given a choice about she does not have agency about becoming the last scion she does not have agency about having to accept this um which obviously is uh, a very interesting thing with regards to fighting your fiction Mm. um but she is given the option of telling Wade that Wade is the last of the advocates and she chooses not to do that and she chooses to give Wade that choice she gives her the necklace and she doesn't say what it is or what it's about and she it simply finishes that she hopes that she will want to find out more and I found that very very touching almost Mm. you know Tessa isn't She's not a soft character. She's not a likeable, lovable... I mean, she's likeable, but not in an approachable kind of a way. She's not the kind of character that you would automatically think of as being, quote-unquote, nice. Yeah. But the fact that she does that for Wade and she gives her that agency that she's clearly not being given, I thought that was an absolutely perfect way to kind of round off that little bit of the story. And also, of course, it clearly sets us up for book two. Woo-hoo. Um <laughs> which we're getting really excited about now and we have no idea how much of it's even been written right it's a conversation we are gonna have to have with kelly thompson because yes. i need the book um <laughs> but yeah i just i thought that that was a very good way of finishing off because i'll be honest i found wade a bit annoying mm. through the book very much she so. kind of had this persistent angry woman thing going on and she was like oh you know I'm gonna get you I'm gonna come and arrest you I'm watching you battle and I was a bit like where are we going with this I don't like she's 17 too you
1: know like yeah it, you know like that's some some of the things that I will question in this book it's like she's 17 like why yep. are you threatening a 17 year old you know what though for, like, like, like for when my brother
2: was a teenager like that there were cops that would just pull him over just just to stop him from going where he was going.
3: Yeah, I guess so. Just because
2: he was a punk kid, you know?
3: But this is
1: murder. This is not, like, but that's what I mean. Like, this is not getting pulled over because you were driving too fast or blah, 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 blah. This is, like, she's threatening her with arresting her for murder. Yeah. And, like, I'm gonna come get you for murder. Like, what, what happened? What happened there?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's representative of the fact that she has this pull to Tessa, and she's not even aware of it and that's why true. she keeps coming back to her sure. because that is a good point she doesn't know she's the advocate nobody knows she's the advocate who placed the spell on her so that she wouldn't know she was the advocate but i'm true. guessing daddy i'm I totally think it's dead because robin said no it's um, daddy it's totally dead also speaking mm-hmm. of daddy who is the doctor because there's this other doctor at the end of the book in the what I was about to call the post-credit scene. Oh my god, you've got a degree in English, woman! It's an epilogue. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to point out it is now twenty to ten in the UK when we're recording this, so I'm excusing myself for calling an epilogue a post-credit scene. Anyway, sidebar. So yeah, we we get this we get this little glimpse of Sophia who may or may not be Sophia and might actually be somebody else completely different because she, she gets called to this other name. And we don't trust but anything it, anymore. But it actually says she would have to give him Tess's father or at least promise she could finally find him. Um, what? We know yeah. what Tess's father is. he keeps flying from law Oregon to San Francisco and leaving envelopes of money there because yeah. he's totally a character. But is he? Dun, dun, dun. Because Robin Robin told her, like, your father was a powerful story and now he's dead. But Robin's a hero. Robin wouldn't lie to her. Would he? Well, does he not know because of the powerful magic that's keeping him hidden? Or is Robin more than he makes out? Hmm. 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 we're we're, we're just at the point now where we're just going to go until we get the second
3: Mm -hmm. book.
0: Um, But yes, I just, I found that very interesting that obviously there, there was the whole Dr. Frankenstein misdirection thing halfway through the book where we were made to think because of the Franken dogs that it was Dr. Frankenstein that was doing it. But then Cersei refers to the doctor and says, oh, you don't even know who you're dealing with. And we know that Cersei will give them just enough rope to hang themselves. She will tell them part of the truth, but not all the truth. And none of this would please the doctor though. And I genuinely was just sitting there writing notes of other random doctors who've appeared in fiction that it could possibly be. Um, and who else is going to be crazy enough to be starting this war or trying to do something to destroy the last scion? Um, And now it just makes me want to go back and read loads of books with Doctor characters in them, particularly The Island of Dr. Moreau, because that is a personal favourite. But what did you ladies think of, of sort of the whole epilogue, mother reappearing, The Doctor? kind of thing um jess talked to me about
1: yeah i just i was like oh oh yes book two that's all it did for me really i'm gonna just be like it was like where's book two how long has this been out i'm like looking up the date of when she wrote this like there's got to be another one soon right like you know, that's, that's what the <laughs> epilogue did for me
3: like really mm-hmm.
1: it just want it made me want to know more which i i think it should so uh kudos to her you know because it did exactly book two please I, again, we've already talked about this. We 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 are we'll start the kickstarter for you. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's
2: go.
0: It's true. That's yeah, that's that's quite impressive. I I like the fact that you're offering to do that. Um, I, I I'm not going to back you, you for, up on that one. Yeah, not backing <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I've spoken to enough people that have run enough kickstarter campaigns wow. that I would quite like to never ever do that. Okay, thanks bye. Um <laughs> speaking of things that i never want to do you 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 ladies don't have to answer this question if you don't want to um but this was something that really struck a chord with me tessa gets scarred um in the fight i think it's in the fight with the shiki yeah and she has this big claw mark across her face and when she talks about dealing with her star she she just sort of simply says some days are better than others um And anybody who has listened to Talking Comics or has listened to us previously probably is aware of the fact that I deal with chronic health issues. Um, And that line really struck a chord with me, just the way that she puts it so simply is some days are better than others um and i know that you ladies also both have health issues and if you don't want to talk about them that's absolutely fine but i just wanted to bring this up as something that really really touched me about the book and it was just you know it might have just been a throwaway line when thompson wrote it but as somebody who does know that some days are better than others and some days you can pretend that actually the world is absolutely fine and everything's going to be all right and some days the crushing reality of it does kind of get to you a bit um did did that line did that line kind of strike either of you as well or or is that just me
2: no it definitely struck me too i uh one, yeah yeah one day at a time is is uh definitely kind of a a theme for a chronic illness right um cause, because because yeah, one day you're, you know, you're doing okay and everything is good and you can make it and, you know, yes, you're on an upswing. And then the next is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's taken everything you got just to get through. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it yeah, I mean, my struggle is a little bit different in terms of the m- chronic migraines as opposed to, to anything, um, Digestive or anything like that, but (laughs) the struggle is 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 still the same in terms of some days are definitely definitely harder than others. (laughs) You know, uh, some days it's not a problem. I can you know I can just take a couple of Advil and make it through the day and smile and happy and everything is good. And then other days Mm. it's like okay, I can't leave the bed because even moving is going to make me nauseated. So, Yeah. uh, yeah yeah I don't know it uh yeah that it definitely struck a nerve hmm.
0: and it was the way that 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 it was written as well when they were doing something so normal as just you know being out shopping and it was that that moment of normality in the book that Micah obviously didn't i don't want to say that she didn't think because Micah is a very intelligent character um and she's portrayed very well but the fact that she sort of says, oh, you know, I thought you'd come to terms with the scar. Well, that's not something that you are just going to come to terms with overnight. Because that's another thing as well with this book is all of this happens in a very, very short period of time. Um, you know, the the entire book is only set within a couple of weeks and the space between the scar appearing and the conversation happening is very short. Um, And I just thought for me, it was important to bring that up because we, you know, we have talked about some of the more, the more flippant elements of the book. And I just thought it was important to bring up something that was a bit, just a bit more sort of deep and meaningful for me, I suppose. Um, I'm waffling now. Someone jump in and help me. (laughs) No, I like to watch you suffer. (laughs) And I love you
3: too.
1: (laughs) You know, I feel the same way when she talks about it. Like, you know, I think we've all talked about our health problems at this point. Like, you know, there are good days and bad days, man. Like there are some days where I wake up and I feel great. And there are some days where it's, it's a real struggle. So I think it's, it's, I think everyone has that. Even if you don't have health problems, even if you don't have scars, I think it's just a general human feeling is that we have good days and bad days. And I think, You know, uh, people forget that too a lot, like when you're out, you know what I mean? And people forget that some people are having a bad day, you know, some people could be having a bad day. Like, you know, that person, I mean, some people just suck. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to say like, it excuses everything. But like, you know, every so often... You know, you could have a bad day and maybe you're not as nice to that person that you met at the bagel store that, you know, dropped something on the floor, you know, and you just kind of blew them off. And that person now thinks that you're a, a jerk. You don't, you know what I mean? Like you'd be having a bad day. You could have, you could have total, you know, you don't know what's going on in somebody's life all mm. the time. So I think that's for everybody. I don't think it's just for people with illnesses, but I think it's, you know, a big thing for people with a lot of
0: illnesses. Mm. I think stuff. the moral lesson here is be nice to people. You don't know what they're going through. Yeah, to. exactly. Yes. Be nice. <laughs> which is, you know, it's a fairly simple lesson, but it would be better if a few people maybe learnt that one. <laughs> um, yeah. we've We've kind of gone through pretty much everything that I had down to talk about. There was just one last thing that I wanted to bring up because this also really, really struck a chord with me. So Robin gets a present for Tessa and he calls them fairies. And they're like tiny little fairies that you cup in your hands and you, you give them a message and they'll fly off and they'll give the message to the person that it's for. And then they'll bring you a message back. And when I read that, I was reminded of when we used to catch fairies when we were younger and they weren't actually fairies. They were like just seed pods and you would catch them and you'd make a wish on them and then you blow them away. Um, And weirdly, we had a whole bunch of these appear in our office about three days ago. And honestly, (laughs) I'm I'm not joking, every single person in the office at some point picked one up off a desk and took it outside. And it's like, these these are just weird little seed pods off of a very specific plant. And I don't know if anybody else did, but I made a wish on it and I blew it away because... I might be 36, but I'm also 6. Uh-huh. Um, and is that is that something that, that you ladies did, or is that, like, a weird, particularly British, possibly even just where I come from thing? I think... Like, making wishes on fairies. No,
1: I think we had something... Are you talking... When you're saying, like, seed pods, is, are you talking about, like, dandelions? Or yeah, no, kind yeah, of like dandelions. Yeah, 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 or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, so we had something similar. We had the little white fuzzy things that you blew into mm-hmm. the air and went, like, I wish... Mm. And they like took off and did their little fly thing. Gwen bought me, brought would, me about like thirty away. of them the other day, and yeah, I'm allergic to take them. The wish
0: away to the fairies, yeah, they <laughs>
1: come true. Yeah, like Gwen, Gwen brought me a big handful, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so, I'm very allergic to them. Oh no. oh no! And I'm like, thank you. And she's like, look below. And I'm like, oh god. Oh god. <laughs> no! All that went places I wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh she's... no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know how it works. Kids.
3: Exactly, yep. Oh, yeah. that went know to we... a really dark place. <laughs>
2: oh. When I was little, we used to try and attract the fairies with raspberry plants and shiny stones.
0: Oh. Okay, that's <laughs> adorable. Yeah. That is, like, properly the cutest thing you've ever said on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I'm quite attracted by raspberry plants and shiny stones. I don't know if that means that I'm a fairy. Literally. But I I, I I do love shiny things, and I'm quite partial to raspberry, even though they hate me. Oh no! Yeah, raspberries and I, strawberries, but any berries really. We we don't we don't particularly get on. Never stops me, but still, yeah. They're so delicious. for punishment. Yes, <laughs> yes, they are. Um. So, is there anything that I, I know? There's so many things that we've not touched upon because there's so much to this book that I, I don't think I could possibly have sent you any more questions without you both threatening to murder me. Murder. That... <laughs> <laughs> Why do you keep doing that? It's terrifying.
1: I don't know because I've, I really have. It's, it's already been, a, it's been a long day. I don't know. It's
2: Amazing. Day.
0: Anywho, is there anything that I haven't touched upon that you ladies wanted to um, to mention about Storykiller? Um Bronwyn, I'm gonna go to you first because you're not trying to terrify me at the moment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, not actively <laughs> <laughs>
1: in two minutes she could be though let's be honest here well yeah. and, you know <laughs> i mean we'll take turns <laughs> no i've you trying to terrify me
2: very very thoroughly um i just yeah i'm looking forward to book two like crazy so i i'm <laughs> excited to get deeper into this world and more fan awesome.
0: i <laughs> okay i'll i'll put a request in yes exactly um <laughs> Jess, what haven't I spoken about that you would like me to have mentioned? Um, I don't know. I, don't,
1: I, I think we talked we talked about a lot of things today. so to even try to pick out what we didn't t- talk about is I think even more difficult. Um, I think <laughs> I think we got everywhere. you know, um, did we mention ramen or craft dinner yet? No, okay, we just did. No. There we go. <laughs> Obligatory <laughs> cheese reference. Yeah.
0: Did
3: we um, talk
1: about cheese? Oh cheese. Okay. We're good. Now. There we go. There we go.
0: I, I almost I almost brought up pancakes actually because it. it says on it says in the blurb she wants to have hot boyfriend shoe shopping and pancake eating. And there was there was not enough pancakes in this book. I love the fact that Micah did make pancakes one morning. Yeah. But more pancakes in book two, please. Um so we do like to mention a few other things that you would like if you liked story killer obviously we've talked a lot about um kelly thompson's work we've mentioned west coast avengers we have mentioned hawkeye um there is also the current sabrina the teenage witch comic book that is coming out um i know that i'm missing something what haven't i mentioned that kelly thompson's written? i'm sure there's something else i'll put it in the show notes it will be on the page she's been writing so Um, much she has she's absolutely cracking out the books at the moment everything that she's putting out for me is just being absolutely brilliant um very underrated as well, I would say. The fact that her West Coast Avengers has ended, um, her Sabrina is a limited five issue run. I would like to see a lot more from Ms. Thompson, please nicely, Marvel and or independent publishers. Mm-hmm. Um one book that we have briefly touched upon that I will mention is Fables by Bill Willingham it's one of the first books that i read when i got back into comics it also links into mike carey's unwritten which if you're a harry potter fan and you haven't read mike carey's unwritten what are you doing go and read it there is also jack of fables there is the great fables crossover which brings together unwritten and fables there's like a whole universe of books out there if you if you want to go for a deep dive and have a long read by all means jump into the fables universe and we also mentioned the once upon a time tv show which i am ashamed to say i have not seen despite many people many times telling me that i should watch it because Uh i will enjoy it i will also just give a quick shout out for disney princess movies i know that we've said these are different kinds of princesses but some of the offerings that disney have come out with lately really for me ever since um princess and the frog uh princess the frog brave frozen um tangled they've given us a different kind of princess she's not just the pretty sitting around waiting for the prince to come they are princesses with agency they are princesses that hit their rescuers in the face with frying pans they are princesses who aren't afraid to give up on their dreams to make something better of their lives um so yeah i will still give a bit of kudos to those movies and also recommend them because the princess and the frog is the best disney movie ever i will fight you um (laughs) anything else that i've missed other than clearly book two in the story killer series which we will be uh highly anticipating
2: (laughs) exactly so just inventing a book rather than
0: later (laughs) Um, but obviously as and when we get any news on a follow-up to story killer because i will be asking kelly thompson about it and sending lots of please nicely can has type messages um (laughs) well i think that's a wrap for this time we hope that you have enjoyed spending some time with us we would love to have you back next time um next month we will be taking a look at the unstoppable wasp from jeremy whitley and he will actually be joining us to talk about the books we have had him on before he is a wonderful guest if you have anything you'd like to talk to us about relating to story killer or you just want to say hello you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook we're at Valhalla Ladies. Or, as Samuel did, you can email ladiesofvalhalla at gmail.com. You can also now find all of our previous episodes and our weekly parent podcast, Talking Comics, on Spotify. Uh, Lady B, where can our lovely listeners find you? You can find me on all the things at B. And Lady J, where can you be found?
1: I'm just all over this internet at Jarska. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all over the internet <laughs> all over. Um, she's got this folks not, not the it. internet this internet <laughs> of oh, this internet this okay one. that's just making it weird now <laughs> um personally i'm on all the various social media channels under the name geek country lady don't forget to check out talkingcomicbooks.com for news reviews and articles about comics video games tv shows and much more we have podcasts of every flavor including talking comics monthly reset and adventure the dnd podcast that gets more ridiculous every time i do it i'm sorry uh-huh. um thank you once more and we'll be back in your ears again soon I'm tired. i just
1: wanted to talk to you guys today and then go back to bed and that's yeah. not happening to me why
3: anyway (laughs) because the universe hates us exactly